That was a great interview, bro. I think we did a good job. That was a good time. So you are about to listen to. Welcome, by the way. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome, everybody. This is Coffin Over Comfort Zone. This is another episode of the Uncomfortable Community. And you are about to be introduced to Tara Burke, not Bork. We learned that one quick. We did learn that one very quickly. You always check. Um, Tara is, uh, you know, we like to let other people say, you know, someone's inspiring. You know, we like to let that. But, you know, for us, Tara is this very powerful woman that is is discovering herself after living a life with cystic fibrosis and also multiple, multiple lung transplants. Yeah. And that, you know, learning about her, what are the kind of things that she went through, but then also getting into like the nitty gritty about, you know, what that was like, but also the after effects of it. I thought that was very interesting how this is how this person has uh, progressed and this is who this person is now. 100% because I think it's naturally assumed, especially by seeing things like your grace right. when it comes to your injury. Yeah. Um, it's naturally assumed that you just take on this role of mentor, of leader. It's like of your poster child for CF now. You exactly. Know? Ex- this is what you should be. But there's yeah. a lot of emotional baggage and a lot of things that come with it that I never, when I first spoke to Tara, I assumed was not there, was not apparent. Right. And then with talking to you, realize, oh shit, this is a, a human being mm-hmm. dealing with complex emotional situations that we could never understand really unless you're in that direct situation. And I think she does an amazing job, what you guys are about to hear. Um, I think she does an amazing job of uh, telling that story um, and also really unfolding and revealing you know the sense of who she was who she's becoming and who she's always been Mm -hmm. so this is uh like like we said this is the uncomfortable community for a reason um things are going to get uncomfortable and things are going to get awesome though you know because that's where that's where life is discovered that's where the growth is it's on the outside of the comfort zone so welcome to this episode let us know what you think afterwards Hoping for an intro, but meow, 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 works just as good. I had to finish this delicious cookie by Homemade by a Haggard. We really appreciate you. This episode is sponsored by Homemade by a Haggard. These cookies are awesome. You should check them out on Instagram. You know what I love? What? Is a fresh homemade cookie. <laughs> fresh homemade cookie? Yeah. And you know where the best place to get them from is? Where? Homemade by Haggard. <laughs> it's so amazing. Delicious. I love their cookies. They're fresh. I would assume oven baked. Oh yeah. What do we cookies. got here? We got triple chocolate. 
we got triple chocolate with a single layer of white chocolate overlay. Now, do you feel some type of way about that single? But does um, the white chocolate count as part of the triple chocolate, or do you have to differentiate it? We have to differentiate, and I feel a little bit slighted. Like, if there was four parts... But we can flip it. It can be inverted. You got to think about it. But then I would get in trouble for appropriation. I can't do that, bro. You can triple white chocolate. Yeah, that, that's uh, it's aggressive. Triple white chocolate? Yeah, triple white? You can't extra, say extra, that nowadays. Extra white. extra white sounds just very <laughs> Scottish to me. Scottish. <laughs> Did you say Scottish? <laughs> or like, yeah, someone who's from like Scotland. I think I That's am the first from place Ireland. you go to, the whitest place you could think whitest of Scotland. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what? Maybe the whitest place I can think of is probably like Norway or something like that. That's okay. true. Or Sweden. And who do we have here <laughs> with us today? Oh my God, that Is was that a terrible. Attempt? I'm gonna stop You're all not my good accents. accents. <laughs> no, all my accents devolve into like the an ancient, one. like Chinese master of <laughs> martial arts. We have Tara Burke. Not nailed Bork. it. Hey, what's happening, my friend? Tara, Hello. welcome. I'm eating cookies that are yummy. They're pretty delicious. Thank you for being here. I'm holding the serving tray for everyone who wants one. I'll pass. Do you like that we don't have video? I don't know. You don't like it? I do and I don't, I guess, because I will be like referencing what I'm doing. and Oh, true. It doesn't matter if I tell you I'm eating or not. I guess they can't see. So but they'll not... hear me eating and then they'll be like, oh, that's annoying. Yeah. So just, yeah, let's do our best not to like eat in the mic. Ah, eat in the mic. I don't eat care. in the mic. Are you not that like descriptive? Would you? Yeah, you probably you just wouldn't think about it. Am I descriptive? Um, anyone who knows me knows I talk with my hands, so I don't think I have to be descriptive. <laughs> they are descriptive for me, so oh. it's gonna be. Do you yeah. have Italian um, descent? No, I'm French. <laughs> okay. that, that that makes sense oh, oh. as well. No, I sense. have zero Italian. The the French are hand talkers. I feel like as well. I feel like they're elaborate. If we're gonna <sighs> stereotype and. Um, put people under labels italians and french i think are the biggest hand talkers mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. gestures i'm doing a gesture right now which you can't see because we don't have video but i think it's good that you don't have it though because then you can just chill and it doesn't matter what i look like i didn't have to like get presentable to be yeah, here and i don't have to get haircuts as often mm -hmm. that's true if you guys saw the state of these two right now whoo Mm -hmm. I don't use the word heinous for me. For I'm me, being, not for you. I, I'm I did being, work today. I showered. I'm being put through a lot right now <laughs> looking at these two. I'm just saying. It's it's, it's, a, it's a uphill battle. Mm. But they got the pleasure of looking at me. Thank and you. I have the pleasure of trying to sit in this seat that has been the bane of my existence for the past few episodes. Like, so while Dan tries to get right comfortable on that, I guess you could be on the couch. But I assumed I he was you. on the couch because you do nah. this all the time and it's comfy. No. Yeah, I should be on the couch. I got eh? the comfy spot. I got the comfy couch. I should be where you are on the big comfy couch. You should. But like, then as the guest, I'd be really awkward and yeah. spotlighted. So no. Did you watch the big comfy couch? Yeah. That was a good show. Did See? you watch the big comfy couch, Dan? It's a blue couch. Right? It was Is green, it wasn't it? It was green. Yeah. I was going to say, like, my middle youngest sister, in. one of them was obsessed with this it. This guy trying to fit in. No, it, was the, it, was the it was like a blue green. I'd give it to you if you said, like, yeah, but then she, you. like, does the clock. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. you know what's up. You yeah. redeemed yeah. yourself. Yeah. We, we both just pointed at Dan, like, very <laughs> obviously. You are wrong. <laughs> like, we called him out on our. Because then she, she does the ticking thing. Yeah. 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 That I've tried to do so many times. And I go, how is that a. No. She gets all yogi and like says it's 11 she was doing yoga before it was cool yeah mm -hmm. she says it's 11 o'clock with her body <laughs> she had big shoes on too yeah she did have big she shoes. was a clown 
I actually oh, did some like weird really? research into <laughs> the comfy couch. I think that was three the point. months ago. Yeah, and there was like the mice under the couch. Oh yeah, yeah. The fuzzy no fuzz bunnies, fluff bunnies, fuzz bu- dust fluff bunnies. bunnies. There yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was doing I some research this. into this because I was like, it's they such were, a strange. Yeah. Kids shows are such a strange concept when you get polka older. dot shorts. Yeah, that's a weird one. Or or what's a polka dot um, giant giraffe? That is polka dot shorts. That's polka dot shorts. Is that's it him. Just called he's polka a giraffe. Dot shorts? He's a giraffe. Yeah, and that's polka he's dot pokeroo. shorts. Pokeroo. Pokeroo. That's, yeah. that's his name, but the that's show the was polka dot shorts. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Because yeah, oh, I remember I, I, that theme song's gonna be going in my head now. What's it go like? Sing it. Some th- uh, it's like and marigold to shorts. shorts. Yeah, and it lists all the characters, yeah. but yeah. I don't remember anyone but marigold and yeah. Pokeroo. I don't. I don't remember the theme song. Da, da, da. Dun, 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 dun. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Humpty and Dumpty, like it's something like that. Oh, and Pokeroo. Fine. Yeah. Oh, and it's like, and you're here too. Like yeah, some something, like that. See, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Got to include. There's the no viewer. Humpty Dumpty, but that's how it goes. So those got to include the viewer for sure. Uh-huh. Fucking Pokeroo. Interactive before interactive was a thing. Fucking Pokeroo. All right, well, welcome. <laughs> welcome back <laughs> to the uncomfortable. So, community. how's COVID been for you? COVID yeah. has been interesting, fun, awful, yeah. all in one. So, wait, the last time we spoke, um, the last time you and I spoke, it would have been the. Uh, oh my goodness. That's a good I question. B- I believe it was the case last year. I haven't spoken to you since last year. I haven't seen you since probably before that. Mm -hmm. But um, last year, I remember when all this started. Like first hit, I think? Yeah, when it first hit. When it first hit. So we were still in the first lockdown. And oh, how I, young and innocent we were. I, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> young and naive. We've, we've all mm-hmm. easily aged at least yep. three, four years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I remember thinking for a while, like just reading comments on the internet and stuff like that, and just thinking about how, you know, uh, how important, obviously, how important lungs are. Mm. And I remember thinking about how, what, how's Tara managing any of this? Like, how are you coping with this? And I remember one of the most uh, profound things that you said that stuck out to me since then was that when I called you. Um, oh, yeah. We actually, like, had yeah, a phone I, call. Like, yeah, I called I you. Remember I remember now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For like an hour. And, and I'm like, oh, Dan Edwards wants to call me. Cool. <laughs> I'm cool enough for Dan Edwards. <laughs> Did I call you on? It was just. It was, it was just, over like Facebook Messenger. Yeah, yeah I think it was on yeah, Messenger. Because yeah. I really wanted to know uh, like how you were managing that. I remember one of the first things you said to me was that. This is a Tuesday for me. Like mm. this is regular life for me. This everybody's is, getting on my level. Yeah, mm-hmm. and everyone's starting to see exactly how you go about living your life. Someone living with cystic fibrosis. Like mm-hmm. this is this is it. I got over it after a while. I'm like, hey, it's cool. You all got to experience this, but let's move along. Like, yeah. <laughs> but it was like as transplant specifically. Mm-hmm. Like CF wise, I wasn't as much in like a bubble of sanitary stuff. Like okay. Um, I also was super healthy until I wasn't, so that helped. But, like, transplant-wise, right after, and you're downtown Toronto during recovery, like, sanitizer Mm -hmm. was my new best friend. Like, I'm like, oh, Subway? Oh, people everywhere? Like, ha Like Sanitizer was something I realized at international airports Mm. that I started using innately without even Mm -hmm. conscious, like, decision. Yeah. Because you're just, like... There's a lot of people here from a lot of different places, and you just start mm-hmm. using it. So, yeah, I you look at the like the door handles different. Yeah, yeah. Anybody mm-hmm. that's been exposed to 
outside of a small town environment yep. really mm-hmm. wasn't surprised with the idea of masks or sanitation no, no. or anything like of that i matter. always carry sanitizer in my purse and so it, when I, people were like oh i need like to put one in my bag i'm like you don't have a car sanitizer and a bag san-? like I, I was like what dan's the same always, way see that's the thing is before covid i it's more uh efficient for me or just like mm-hmm. to use sanitizer i'm not yeah. i don't always have access to a bathroom that's oh, accessible. I was going to say, you, yeah, you exactly. can't reach so all the sinks. I always have hand sanitizer mm-hmm. around. And so... So did you get annoyed when you could I no longer s- find hand so sanitizer? Because mm. I was like, looking at all the shelves just yep. disappear. I was like, you guys are... At- I use this stuff. You're just... <laughs> You're not a part of that. That was me when I tried to order my masks that I usually order. So Vogue mask is what I used to get for clinic. Shout out Vogue mask. And right. Yeah. If you want to send me a free one. Sponsorship no. <laughs> podcast. Let's go. And I went to order one to yeah. replace my old one. And it was like, we are out of stock and won't be producing more until we figure out how long COVID's around. And Holy I was like, hell. people, you suck. Like, stop yeah. buying my stuff. Yeah. I got frustrated very quickly. You mm-hmm. know what with... fucked me up was I thought I was all stocked up for COVID mm. and I went to Bath, Body and Beyond. Is that what it is? Not Bed even bath. close. Bed, Bed Bath. Bed, Bed Bath. Thank you. I don't know why I included. You literally said it backwards. But I don't think that's Did where you're implying you're going. You're talking about like, Bath and Body Works, aren't you? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Fuck. See, there you go. The ba- that Thank store you. is like a bedding and towel store. I love that place. Fuck, Wait, what do you think I about? wish we just had a video. Yeah. Because the one where... The one where... were pointing in like a Mexican standoff. It's like the office, office with yeah. Dwight and Michael. Yeah. There has so been I, a murder. I thought there and was... Um, <laughs> I thought their hand soap was antibacterial. Oh, but yeah, it yeah, turns yeah. out their no. hand soap just smells good, and mm-hmm. there's no. Oh yeah, bro, that's 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 so janky stuff. All during the beginning of COVID, I was like, chick, 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 chick. "Yo, your boy's clean. <laughs> High five. <laughs> I smell pretty." I was probably being like a mass like transfer of COVID in the beginning because of yeah. uh, Bath and Body Works. Mm-hmm. So shout out Bath and Body Works for your non-antibacterial soap. I think they got on the antibacterial train or antiseptic yeah exactly but as soon as you throw that label on anything you can jack the price oh yeah easy technically Whoa. soap in general any soap is antibacterial i didn't know as soon as you label it as antibacterial or antiseptic up the price yeah. there's my marketing degree shout out lambda college i also <laughs> learned that yeah yeah it takes 10 seconds if you have just bubbles to equal the amount of antibacterial. Oh, I didn't know that. That's what they say, but fucking who knows nowadays. Hmm. Now, you mentioned your situation. Oh, yeah, for COVID? Maybe let's like elaborate on that because maybe some guests don't know who we you are. So when, I, so, like, when I, okay, actually, like, can I bring it to, like, when I first actually met you? Yeah, yeah, that's rewind. See, this is me going, oh, dear God, I don't so know. So, when I first, like, met and, like, knew who Tara was is when there was a fundraiser, I think, at uh, Boston Pizza. Oh, okay, yeah, for yeah. For you. So, that's 2012. Yes. And <laughs> I remember got going that to that. And I, only because I was in, I was in surgery. So yeah. I know exactly when. So you yeah. have those like, yeah. um, you that's, have dates. That's how I yeah. tracked my life. Yeah. And you probably, Dan. I have dates too. Dan gets it. Too. Yeah. I have. And then when you get healthy, you go, shit, I don't know what day it is. I have grade yeah. eight year 2000. That was <laughs> it. Those are the two correlations. That's it. And then it's just since then. Yeah. Since I then I've been a straight middle-aged white man. So okay. it's like no determining. So like I've got my accident. Yeah, which is which when you said that was what 14 years ago now you said it's 15 almost Wednesday. See, that blew my mind because I remember when that happened and I'm like 15 years. How is that possible? And then you think about it and you're like, I'm old. So when 
if we can reverse and like so Dan to, was saying, for him to pick up when he met me. But or also, knew of. let's go a yeah. little back before that. When were you diagnosed? In compared oh, to, okay. yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know if a lot of listeners know your story. Even, oh, like so who quick you little are. snippet: cystic yeah, yeah, fibrosis yeah. is where I'm coming from. Correct. That's my disease, mm-hmm. illness. CF. If CF. You yes. If you hear the um, alliteration or whatever it's called. Abbreviation. Abbreviation. Yeah. I was literally going to say vernacular, but that's not. (laughs) I don't know what that is. That's That's a big word, bro. I was worried we were going to be throwing big words around because you're always like, well, Dan's mom. And then you're like, I'm used to big word. I'm like, don't try me on words, man. Oh, (laughs) she knows that I get excited about big words. Um, So, yeah, I. So, CF is genetic. Okay. Um, I was diagnosed at 14 months old. Right. So, just over a year, which. Nowadays, CF is part of newborn screening. I was going to ask, so, so is that something really? that, like, no matter what you're born with, mm-hmm. and then it was just detected? Yeah, so it was, they point. only discovered what gene causes CF in 1989. Wow. So it's a newer... In, in terms of medical... Like, not a newer disease, but newer... Detection. Yeah. Detection. It's not a new yeah. hip, cool disease. You know, I got the cool new yeah. one. Yeah. Cancer. Psh, old news. Yeah. <laughs> old news. Get out of here. But yeah, it yeah. definitely... Because I had a friend who in school also was diagnosed with that, but was a much, it seemed, lesser case. It seems there's a huge Are range. Are local? I was going to ask who that. Like, what, what was... Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I don't know who... No, no, no. Oh, I don't know if we're allowed yeah, to Yeah, they're, they're local. Like, um, but, like, uh, I just noticed there was a... We've talked about autism on the podcast before, and I noticed with CF as well, there seems to be a... A spectrum. Hu- a huge range. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Where yeah. there's some people with CF that can basically very unpredictable go about their normal life Mm -hmm. without any interruption and then there's i see people like you who have Mm -hmm. had is it double lung Mm -hmm. double transplant or how do you you've had two yeah i've had double lung both times that's what i mean like double. so me and anybody else who's had it we're the double double club so double double you're on your third third set set of lungs lungs in my body here jeez second set that's not mine that's right. Wild. It's weird to think about that way. Uh, but it's cool. I, I got to wrap my head around that for a second. Mm-hmm. Take a second. Take a yeah, second. Give me a minute. So yeah. so there's been three separate sets of functioning lungs. Yeah. What does... Just strapped in there. I don't want to deviate <laughs> from you telling more of us about, you know, your timeline, your story. But like, so when you got your first one, mm-hmm. when you your first one, when, how old were you when, when 18. that was? 18. Yeah. And did you ever think about... Did you ever think about whose lungs these are? Not till like after it happened. Okay. And then you're like, weird, I have someone else's lungs in me. Did you ever like know, th- obviously you didn't know the person, but like did you we ever. We were best friends, you know. Did you- <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that, would sound, that sounds like an episode of Grey's Anatomy. But like, it, see, like that could happen. Yeah. That yes. technically. That- not, I don't know how it would work with lungs, per se, with all the legislation in healthcare and politics, but... Mm-hmm. There may be a murder like, investigation. if we well. were, like, best friends growing up, and you put it, like, in your will or something, that, like, if I ever pass and my friend still needs a transplant, I am, like, put delegating my ice, lungs to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. jump ahead, maybe. That might be a further question, but can you will your organs? As of like right now in Canada, it depends on the organ. So like there's living donors. Right. So you can like if I need a like liver transplant, 
I can reach out to the general public and say, does anybody want to donate their liver? Because you donate 80% of your liver. Right. And you regrow it, right? And you regrow from your 20%. Right. And then right. I would get the 80% of the healthy functioning liver. Correct. And yeah, yeah. That's the one thing. Which I, is also cool to think like this tiny little thing is just going to grow back to. Oh, real quick. I, was gonna I, say, became, a, I became a donor at your fundraiser oh shit you made a change that's when yeah that's so that's why i want to say like that's when i get like goosebumps when people are like it was when you did this i registered and i was like woo because like we were pulling out health cards and be like oh yeah you're you just check the back of the thing Mm -hmm. i was like i'm not one i don't know what you're not i'm like well here sign up at tara's fundraiser i was like oh okay sure yeah yeah." and i I didn't even know so like even i was transplanted at 18 Mm -hmm. had never even heard about organ donation or ever thought about it until they were like you're going to need lungs as a treatment option. And I was like, what? Like, that's a thing? Mm-hmm. Oh, true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was, it's not commonplace. Like, right. So I say I was just as ignorant about it as anybody else. I wasn't a donor. Right. So, okay, so live donors. So you can donate live. There's live That's donors. only mm-hmm. for like, like certain kidneys, organs. That's so. liver. Like said, certain organs. Okay. Some I would other say things. kidney and liver so spleen, far from is, my. Is spleen one of them? You, can you, can uh, you no one I don't think you need a spleen. No one needs, no one a, needs spleen. a spleen. <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. No one you can get it removed, but I don't think you would ever. <laughs> yeah, have to bro. Really no one needs. No, a no, spleen. no. That's is that appendix? That's appendix. And a spleen. No and one, ain't I don't nobody know. need a spleen. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have to Google. I am looking at. <laughs> My doctors are going. Don't listen to her. No. I, uh, it, it's interesting to see. It's cool because liver and kidney seem to be the one. <clears throat> living donor yeah most common most and common most people are listed for correct mm-hmm. and, and it's cool to the see the obvious non-living donation is heart and lungs <laughs> yep exactly you can't heart just lungs. go with the, go ahead donate yeah. well, you can, can you go ah this is gonna sound dumb no 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 dumb questions. questions you can't go skin can you yeah skin's live though i mean i mean alive technically one. like you could take could some I of take my like, tissue right now yeah. well you wouldn't dan one dan <laughs> if i wanted to be cool about fun it. fact <laughs> you wanted some privilege but no they can life. change the pigmentation i'm not yeah. kidding you they oh, do yeah. that now because yeah. it's part of the mental recovery yeah. like um but no sk- it's a skin graft so a it would be like grafts. if my sister was in a fire or something and was trying to like I could donate, he's still dying. Dan's It'd be like the, the most original tattoo. Look, what are you patched up with white here's, skin? Here's what's going on in my head: is that <laughs> I'm thinking, excuse me, sir, I would love to get alone in your neighborhood. <laughs> I'll be right back. I'll be right back <laughs> in one trans- day with this transplant. <laughs> Oh, I'm anyway, looking sorry. at these numbers here, and it's. I don't know if they actually do skit like no, on a regular basis as live, but it's a thing. This no, isn't yeah, an definitely. informative podcast. No, it would it's make sense. I see. I'm so used to sometimes speaking on behalf of like oh, yeah, health yeah, yeah. things, so I'm always like, "Don't quote me." Yeah, yeah. No, no, no worries. But no. it makes sense because what they do is they take a small portion and then they put it in a lab and they grow from that healthy skin oh, to then graft. Oh, that's dope. That's yeah. Cool. yeah. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. I thought they would just take like an like. I thought it. they literally would slice like with a razor, like swoop. There's you your arm, a and little bit of melanoma. Yeah, yeah. If you need an arm's go. length of skin. Mm-hmm. You take I an arm's length of skin. Give you an arm's length. Oh, of skin. That's, that's what I that's thought what too. I thought. That's what I because thought. when so I first I registered a as a donor, <laughs> I was registered for everything but skin and eyes because I was like, I don't want them like scalping my yep. skin. That would be weird. And then my eyes, I'm like, somebody else to have my eyes is weird. Yeah. And then as I f- delved into organ stuff later. The cornea, like it's not the color of your eye or shape or anything. It's literally just the clear lens. Yeah. So you can see. So yeah, I'll take my eye, whatever. 
Oh, it's not the whole eye? No, I literally thought it was what like a glass the? eye. They take your whole eye. I know. Is, I think there's a huge uh, misconception. You can change what you donate if you're thinking. Yeah, I think I there's a huge that. misconception there of is. Like, donation because we're really only given any information, informative like In the talks. worst case scenario. In the worst case scenarios mm -hmm. and only in grade eight too. I swear you were talked to about organ donation in grade eight. I think grade I eight was the only I was time not. was the only time Even it was high mentioned in my life. Mm -hmm. It was like you should become an organ donation. Oh. They should mention it when you yes. get your license yeah. because it comes with your license in the mail. Do you want to be a donor? That's it, though. Okay, There's so no think, info. So like, then that's you're past grade eight. Then yeah. so like maybe grade I hope. ten I mean, or eleven. Some yeah. people might still be sixteen. Yeah. Grade Shout eight, out to not the judging. Sixteen-year-old grade eight. Is it on your driver's license or your health card? Is it both? Uh, you register when you get your license because once you're 16, you can make your own choice oh, okay. of it. Okay. But it's on your health, the back of your health card will say if you're registered as a donor. But that's okay. Ontario. So. Oh, okay. Right, yeah. sure. Because I think Alberta, it's on your license. There's a little heart that says donor. It's cute. I want that in Ontario. True. I want a little heart. Yeah, it makes you feel good. Yeah. But no, so for, so like, I learned about it because I took a course so that I could speak on behalf of like Trillium Gift of Life, who does organ donation in Ontario or did. Yeah, of course. I on think organs? they still do. Well, I, I I registered as a volunteer speaker with them, so they do a like a training course sort of thing. Oh, you know what? I did that for like Rick Hansen, like spinal cord mm -hmm. Ontario. So then you get like you're given yeah, information I got, like, a and you're given like yeah yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I sat in on like a webinar and stuff, and I learned then that like so skin grafts they would take it like the back of your thigh yeah, or your like under your arm. So if you're an open casket, you wouldn't even know. Oh, word. And that's when I learned, too, about the eye, that it's literally the clear lens part. But your eyes are closed anyway when you're that in too. But I thought that so if you like take your whole eyeball, though, I was what like, I what? So then my eyelid's going to sink in? And No, thanks. Horror nightmare. Do they put glass ones in a corpse? doesn't really matter. Why would you, you put glass? I would just put literally put, like those old mothballs. You put a ping pong ball in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I wouldn't. But I just, yeah. you know. It's just classy. Again, you know? but it was a thought of like, I don't want to be all stitched up if they need an arm's length. That, that like, yeah. So no, they literally would go back your thigh, take something like five centimeters yep. or whatever, grow it and go. Hold on a second. Mm -hmm. So what's stopping us from just doing that on our own? Like just. Uh, taking some skin and just start that's it the, the whole kitchen. idea of god like why and am i science. not why am i not just trying to grow some that's but god what do you and need science. skin for next serial killer out you're there talking about stem basically stem cells <clears throat> is what you're talking about and that literally the only barrier well okay i should shouldn't say like they just like grow skin but like they they implement the body like yeah. it's when you get a cut and you scab and then the skin like Okay. All so right, they're right. extending that way. Yeah. I Dan's, mean, Dan's imagining like <laughs> actually growing. I think. Like a mask. Like, yeah. Like, like Friday the Thirteenth. But creepy that, stuff. But that's happening. But Nightmare. the only thing stopping that is, weirdly enough, religion is the only thing stopping from the idea of quote unquote playing God is growing mm. organs, growing skin. False. Growing all they that. are growing organs. There's trans. There's oh, there's, there's do, research studies. Oh, they're oh, cooking. Yeah. They're cooking oh. shit. Do you they're, know how? Cool, because then it would cure the fact of needing to take anti-rejection medication yeah. if my own genetics, no, I mean, so CF people your, with genetic disorder, your, your they're kind of screwed. Yeah, yeah. But like, say, like your, Me. my lungs yeah. were failing, if they could take my own genetics, remove the faulty CF gene, cook some up. grow new lungs, put them in me, my body would never recognize it as a foreign object because it's my genetics. Mm -hmm. There, done, no meds. Yeah, I, I well not no meds. But but we like, can't do that though. 
But that's the thing. That. That's the thing. That's is, just too easy. There was right? a, actually you know, we, a doctor in China recently mm-hmm. that I don't know if you saw that he released, I believe, a study, on it? a study on his stem cells, or it was either stem cells or um, what's it called when you copy someone? Cloning. Genetic cloning. cloning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was just genetically altered babies that basically. See, it gets creepy when you bring babies into it. That's where people all go, no, 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 no. Or they go, the Hitler, idea of, no. Yeah, the like, idea of playing God and yeah. the idea of. And people, I things. think. Wait, that's well, what Hitler wanted to do? Well, he was trying to make the perfect. He yeah. wanted blonde, blue eyed. He just had race. the wrong idea of what was. Of perfect. what to do with it. Yeah. So, but technically, if you knew you could get rid of. A disease that kills people at the age of 12, 22, whatever. I get rid of the disease. I wouldn't kill the people. <clears throat> but exactly. So you could technically genetically alter every baby with CF. Oh. And then we, there would be no CF. Like if you wanted to cure CF yesterday, you'd say, yeah, I'm okay with genetic altering and done. There's no CF. So why aren't we okay with genetic altering? Because then it leads to people like Hitler who would be like, well, I want the baby to have my eyes and his hair and... Even and then the there's just really religious people that are like, mm-hmm. yeah. The the big thing is like God and the the um the barrier, mm-hmm. and also like it's you God, said, and then on the other end of the spectrum, control. it's people that are saying there's going to be like the superior race that comes out of it again. There there was a Chinese doctor who came out in mm-hmm. 2019, and he basically genetically altered babies to the point of like no disease. But, but he then got I put feel in like jail you would, for three years. Yeah. And but babies? I feel like you would they they're, never, gonna, they're they now did, robotic. They didn't allow to that's the, what AI is. You didn't yeah. <laughs> They didn't allow him to like proceed with his studies because first of all, what he did was illegal because you can't test Yo, them. Do you bet that like you think he made one and it's just off somewhere? Yeah. Probably. A small island by itself and he's observing. It's Yao Ming, bro. In the Yao Ming. <laughs> oh man. You're you telling imagine? me he's not created in a lab as Yao Ming? Come on. Oh man, this would be crazy. Anyway, but it, it, that's what happens: is people run. Up, but at the same time, if you go, okay, if you let the scientists and the researchers do their thing, which right now being a scientist means crap all, no one listens to them, which yes, is another one of my sadly. COVID yeah. annoyances. But yep. like when I fundraise and I'm talking, and people come up and they're like, you know, like what is it going to take to cure CF? And I'm like, well, technically, let's. If you want to get technical, we could have cured it mm-hmm. as soon as we figured out that it was a gene. That is faulty. And you literally just need to put, you know, figure out how to fix that genetic coding. Yeah. There you go. It's done. Three lungs later. And you could do that. Frustrating. In, <laughs> right? Like, you geez. can do that in womb. So there, you can diagnose a baby with CF in utero. Mm-hmm. There's signs they look for now. There's signs they watch for. So if there's like malnourishment symptoms, if there's um, like, you know, their lungs aren't developing. Like there's things that they look for now knowing that CF is a thing. Even so, like, I'm the oldest of three, and my parents were told, yeah, you can have more kids. What's the, like, there's no big risk, because not a lot was known about CF. And basically, when you have two parents that one, like, both have to have a copy. Right. And then it's 25% chance your kid has CF. So, did, were they scared that? No, they because they weren't know. told. They, they probably had no a, idea. A, I wasn't diagnosed till what, 14? No, I mean your next, your, your, your siblings. But the youngest one? They'll well, I'm trying to siblings. think of what the timeline is between me uh, and my other sister is two and a half years. Yep. So they so may they have already know. been pregnant by the time I was diagnosed and they got any information on it. Yeah. 
14 months. I don't know. I'm not doing math. Okay. But there's two but, after you, right? Yeah. So, But okay. then the next one, too, they still, like, the, my parents weren't told there's a high percent that they're going to have another high, kid with CF, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And at so that point, I was okay. still super healthy, all things considered for CF. So it was right. like, yeah, you're good. But at the same time, someone born in 93, so same year as me, with CF, like, Women with CF were predicted to live to 23, I think it was. Right. I didn't Was the know. median age, like that kind of thing. Yeah. But again, how much information was my family given at that time compared to now where you have Google, you type in cystic fibrosis, you get everything you need versus I have to go to a specialty clinic in London. Like yeah. our local family doctor, who's still a family doctor, like pediatrics and stuff here, he wasn't a specialist in CF. So he yeah. sent, said, you guys have to go to London to get testing to confirm like... Yeah. So when it comes to um, like CF, like what is your community like? Like when it comes to, mm-hmm. like, do you know a lot of other people with cystic fibrosis? Like, do you? I is didn't there, is until there after c- transplant. I knew no one. Which one? Which which the first one? The first one. No. So two thousand. Well, false. Whatever. I knew of one other person that was local because our yeah. parents were friends, so I had heard of her, and she oh, was the same age as me. Uh, I knew of her, but, but she had she passed, passed away. Before. Okay. So Stacy McFarland, and I knew of shout out Stacy. Um, shout out Stacy. Danielle. Um, I'm gonna leave a last name out because okay, I don't okay, know okay. how public her family is correct, with stuff. Correct. But she was my age, and was supposed to be in my grade at St. Chris. But she was never in school because she was always sick. Right. She had a like she had a liver transplant before she needed lungs. Like there was like she had a lot of complications. Oh. I was gonna compared ask. to myself who well, had like none until I was like on death's door. Well, yep. that's one of the things that Dan was alluding to before when it came to when we had a conversation about um, autism and then so we, much on the spectrum. So like things. how far? Yeah. So, so there's over two thousand mutations of, of the CF gene. Do you know where you fall amongst? Mine are labeled. Are you 1,137? Yeah, yeah. They all, saying, like, yeah no, no, no. They're not numbered. Well, they're oh, okay. numbered, but it's like but Delta it's F508 a, is the most s- common one. Delta variant. Are you, is there I a scale? Co- <laughs> like, no. There, okay, there's because, a scale. Because, okay. so I have a friend, Lindsay. She lives up north in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Her Lindsay. and her sister both have CF. Okay. She, Lindsay has had two double lung transplants, same as me. So oh. Lindsay and I are in the double-double club. Okay. Kay. Her sister has not even had one double lung transplant right. and is still healthy. But still has the Considering same diagnosis. CF. But she has the same parents, same mutations. And same diagnosis. And the, yeah. Yeah. But, like, their progression is completely different, even with the exact same copies of the genes. How does... There's no predictability with it, which is the biggest annoyance. What? Could so you imagine being a researcher and you're like, cool, cool, cool. We have two in the same family to work with, same copies, same this. Oh, yeah. Just kidding. Well, this one needed two transplants. I, this one needs nothing. Well, that's a little bit like spinal cord injuries because yeah. what like I you learned said, was yeah. that you could no have... No two are the same. I could, like, so, like, I showed up in the hospital. I could show up in the hospital. Uh, two C5, C6 quadriplegics, both in complete tears to the spinal cord at that level. Same weight, same height, same age, same everything. Mm-hmm. And then obviously different families. But like you can have both actually even the same family. And mm-hmm. the recovery is different. Yeah. Like the recovery is going to be completely different. Yeah. So that's like that blew my mind when I found out that, that her though. sister hadn't even had a transplant. And I was like, well, I thought because you would have literally the exact same Lucky copy bitch. of the exact same mutations because her same parents. Now, I don't yeah. know if you know this, but I don't know if this would be exposing or sharing too much about um, your friend's situation and her sister. 
But ah, Lindsay's open. There's something. I'm just not even going to try and pronounce oh, okay. her new last name because I would butcher it. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> so, like in the, I guess uh, in the quadriplegic community, mm-hmm. there are times where you view someone. Uh, because of you know Instagram and social media, I'm able to connect with more people within my community, yeah. and I'm assuming you're the same way because mm-hmm. you know with social media. But does her sister or I guess you? Do you ever get in this comparison mindset because of your? Uh, what do you, we, are we? Do we call them? You know, I'm technically a chronic <coughs> illness. Is that what they call yours too? A they chronic call, illness. You want to get like technical? Yeah. They call me chronic illness. Like when I'm supposed to list, like what is yours? Your isn't <laughs> well, I guess it's not a disease. Yeah, it's an they call it a chronic condition. Illness. Yeah, uh, no, they call it I, an illness. There it, it says illness, so that's, that's why. That's par- weird. The medical terminology is weird. So uh, technically, cystic fibrosis is a chronic, fatal genetic disorder. I the think. fuck. Yeah. What? Maybe I don't know if it's <clears throat> disorder or disease. But fatal's but in it too. Oh yeah, because you, it it eventually it that is what kills you pretty much. Like it's guaranteed almost. They gotta remind you somehow the right? doctors. Yeah. They have to differentiate you <laughs> from somebody who just has say um, like COPD. Yeah. You can live with COPD for a while, so that's chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Okay. So chronic lung disease basically. Yeah. Cystic fibrosis is it's a chronic fatal genetic disease wow basically you're, you you got because like it used to kill people before they made it to like yeah. jk i yeah, true. so yeah there's you're progress it but it, it that path, is what basically. has killed yeah them. yeah you're so not like you're lucky if you die of a stroke instead of cf like okay. basically wow so when so imagine being like 15 and you're googling it and you read the words like <laughs> fatal disease and you're like oh, oh that would shit. throw me for one are you kidding me that would t- absolutely well, and because they don't reference it like that at clinic they don't say yes. to you, so how is your chronic fatal disease going today? Yep. Like, so I'm Googling stuff, just learning about it, or even like someone in school has asked me about it, and I'm like, well, I'll find out more because I grew up super healthy, super normal for CF. Like, right. uh, my parents didn't treat me, I, like, I, I say, like, they didn't treat me any different I, in a good way. Like, mm. they woke me up the extra half hour, hour before my sisters. I did my meds, I did my treatments, and then we'd all eat breakfast, we'd get ready for school and go to school. Like, so they just taught me that, like, you have to do what you have to do. And they didn't hide, like, that I had to take meds. They didn't hide that I did inhaled treatments. So, like, the front door at our place was always, like, walk in. You knock, walk in. Friends, family, whoever. Mm-hmm. So, like, it didn't matter. People would be walking in the front door. I'd be sitting at the kitchen table doing my inhaled meds, which is, like, a huge mask. and I've seen the video, vapor, yeah. Right? Yeah, and, like, that, yeah. they're like, oh, hey, Tara, how's it going? I'm like, oh, I'm good. How are you? Like, it was just normal. At what age did, like, um your acceptance of the diagnosis like kick in um honest again not till i got like really sick like till it actually like Like it impacted my like day-to-day life yeah Yeah, so grade 12 interesting so so you knew before that but you i knew i had it and i knew i took meds and i knew like i remember even in high school before grade 12 like on the volleyball team after school, we would be whatever time practice was, and I'd have to chug my Scandi shake, which was a 600-calorie milkshake, because I needed to put weight on all the time. Right. So knowing I was going to be doing a workout, and like all my teammates would be like, can I have a sip? It tastes so good. But then they'd be like, oh, my God, we're going to have to work off all those calories because they're <laughs> a grade 10 female going, ah. But like, so like it was just normal for me to yeah. do. So yeah. So I'm going to jump back to the comparison thing later, but hold on, I want to get, I want because I want to stay on this. So when... Did, uh... Like, I remember sitting in the cafeteria and people would be like, what are those pills? And I'm like, enzymes? Your body produces them, mine doesn't. They'd be like, can I have one? I'm like, sure. So you went all throughout high school, 
um, and then by the time like it got like you know shit got real, it was grade twelve. Mm -hmm. Grade eleven was my healthiest year ever. I weighed the most. I had the best lung function. I was in a study for a research medication that yeah. put me in that position. Yeah. But I was my health. Like I just was always told, "You're one of our healthiest patients. You're doing really well. Keep doing what you're doing." And then it yep. was at what point in grade twelve? Like when halfway um, through end of the <clears> year, <throat> just the end. I would say my like full acceptance of like you are sick. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Was the year after grade twelve, but it was. So, like, I didn't have very many hospitalizations growing up, which mm -hmm. was why I didn't feel like I was sick. I did a tune-up in, I want to say it was, like, 2008, which was when the Olympics were in Beijing, I think. Yeah. Summer Olympics, because I remember I watched everything that happened because that was all I could do. Yeah. Um, but it was just, like, the doctors were kind of like, let's see what happens if we give you this medication and we have to do it in hospitals. Like, okay. So I did it. But it was grade 12, and I just, I got sick. And they said, you know, we're going to put you in hospital and try some medication. So I didn't have to write exams for first semester. And I was like, sweet. So <laughs> do you remember when we were talking, Dan, uh, to Mel and we were talking about how, um, you know, this big life moment for her, right, mm. occurred when she was uh, grade 12, you know, mm -hmm. or end of grade 12. And then for me, when I had my spinal cord injury, again, grade 12. end of grade 12. Mm -hmm. And then now... So, yeah, for me, like, so honestly, it was after I got the lungs and looked back on photos and test results and that I went, oh, shit, I was sick. And everybody was like, no shit, you dumbass. Like, we were told you, you need lungs, you need... Like, I delayed listing for lungs because I wanted to come home for Christmas. So... And everybody's like, are you insane? It's funny because... Like, <laughs> Both of your attitudes are very similar in the sense, and now maybe this sounds offensive, but it's not, but you were kind of raised in a hospital compared to mm -hmm. the average human mm -hmm. being. And both of your oh, attitudes yeah. towards like my doctor the hospital is up. very yeah. similar, I find. Oh, yeah. It's a second home. Because yeah. like I feel comfortable there. It's weird. The, yeah, somebody has yeah. to go to the eMERGE Center. It's like, fuck, I have to wait an hour for my, your arm <laughs> that's torqued the wrong way. Yeah. And like, I'm going home. Whereas I've heard Dan tell stories about having to live in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was listening to his your podcast the other day talking about how you were living in the hospital across from the palliative ward. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, man, like, long-term hospital stays, like, those were some of your best friends. Like, mm -hmm. that's where I met other CF people. So the first in-person CF person I met yeah. was in, I had gone away to university. So the fall of 2011. Where'd you go, Guelph? Right. For all of how however long I was there. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, that, and it was the first time that I was exposed to another CF person. Right. And the first time I was exposed to the fact that two people with CF can't be in the same room together. What? They can't? What? Oh, you didn't know that? Oh, see, this is where COVID comes in again. Fun fact. Like, so those, those two people. Spinal cord injury people can be in the same <laughs> room. <laughs> they can high five. You guys can rub up. Yeah. We, no. sh we host conferences and, yeah. you know, conventions see, so, and shit. <laughs> Two people with CF can't be in technically like in the same room. We have to be at all times six feet apart. So the oh, six foot snap. thing wasn't so just created. So that's not. Oh a no, that's a medical. So six that's feet is like if you're talking and you, when you talk, there's like spit and stuff oh, that yeah. flies. So that six feet thing wasn't a guess. No, no, no there's medical. It wasn't a no frills. It wasn't. Why the fuck did people say that? Why are they just like, oh well, why is it gonna be six feet? feet? Why is it gonna be three feet? Why is it gonna be ten? No, feet? it's the like scientific medical. This is how it's far you can spit like 
yeah. you had a cold and you sneezed, that's how far it would fly. Man, like, some of you people suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They like to think Pushing that shit. Like, but that what? being said, it Sorry. wasn't clearly... It wasn't um, presented that way. It was just kind of like, way. this exactly. is the rule the government's implying. They, no, just they le- should have said. No frills started rapping about, like, you mm-hmm. got to be two cards apart. Yeah, like, or Timmy's did all, like, you have to be this many Timbits, which I thought was crazy. See, and I here oh, I am cool. going, all these businesses are genius yeah. turning this into fun. Meanwhile, but then other people are like, well, no, they're just making it up. Or like yeah. a hockey stick, like, Canadians are doing hockey sticks. Yo, like, that was dope, though, I when that. I saw. Yeah, somebody put a hockey I, stick at me. I'm like, fuck off, bro. In the mm-hmm. gas station, they did it because they got... <laughs> In the gas station, they did that to me, and I was like, "All right, this is this is kind of cool. Yeah. This is very Canadian. I, I like. I, I yeah. kind of like this. I so like I this. like that kind of made it more for people to understand or get a better concept of what is six feet. Well, it was, it, but for CF, so in clinic, yeah. um, like we have our own clinic rooms, and the doctors come to us. You sit in your room all day, like you don't wander the halls, and if you do, you have a mask on." The doctors okay. coming into the room, so whether it's like physio, dietitian, nurse, whoever. they have always gown, glove, mask. All. Like this is not new to us because I could be talking and I would transmit a CF disease or not disease, like a CF bacteria. Yeah. Onto say their clothing, and then, and then they would go to the next, next room, room and yeah. use a stethoscope on the patient, and they could transmit that bacteria and cause an infection in the other CF patient. So PPE is not new. For the CF community, six feet apart, not new. There's actually a movie that came out a few years ago. Um, Justin Baldoni, I'm going to say his name wrong, who was from Jane the Virgin. Okay. He directed this movie called Five Feet Apart. It had Cole Sprouse in it, and uh, oh, no, he's not, he's not. a twin. One of the twins from the Disney show. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Twin. What cooler one? Dylan though. and Cole. The other one is in like Stranger Things or something. No. Um. What's the other Netflix? I think oh, you're talking about that Sweet Life, Zach and Cody. Yeah. Twins? Those guys. So one okay, of them okay. is in it. I think one owns an alcohol company nowadays. Oh, I have no idea what they do now. Oh shit. Yeah. They're probably like 30 now. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. weird. Yeah. But he is in this movie, and it is about CF life in hospital. Okay, but he's the actor. Wait, he's the, the actor in it. It's called Five Feet Apart. So the Five premise behind this movie was these two people with CF are going to take back one foot of separation and take like control of their life. Yeah, it was a very, it was in theaters. I was oh. shocked. There was a movie about CF in theaters. I feel like I've seen this because Word. I have a friend. Okay, this sounds and dope. I okay, want to okay. say it was Andy Grammer did a song for it. I'm gonna. I gotta double check. Yeah, double check, double check. Because it's a great song. But um, as, b- b- but as you know, as you're looking up, um, thinking about Andy Grammer, "Don't Give Up on Me." It's from the movie. Great song, plug. Oh wow, that's shoutouts. But that happened recent. That there was a movie about CF that was in like the Sarnia Theater. It wasn't just like you have to go to Toronto for it. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god. By exclusive. But I also was like, do I want to watch it? Because a, am I gonna pick out all the inconsistencies? Because it's hard for the movie industry or TV or anything to be medically accurate, and I understand that. Yeah. So, but yeah. With and will it fuck you up mentally? Like exactly. Seeing the so six feet apart, like things. so. CF people are not supposed to be in the same room. We don't. So it was never like you're not in clinic, and they're like, let's introduce you to this 16 year old with CF when you're like 14, and you two can meet up and talk and ask questions. Like there wasn't that buddy wow, system. See, because like so when I talked about mentors, right, mm-hmm. and like how. I had, like, Dave Wilsey legit came to my room mm-hmm. right. to say what's up to me and talked about his experience. She being, has to leave not notes she in the bricks. She never yep. have that. And we, right the through the window. Jumping back to, like, uh-huh. so, yeah. you know, building a community and, mm-hmm. you, know, you know. I never felt I needed to. 
Oh, shit. So, like... Until... Yeah. Okay. I got sick. I got lungs. And people started reaching out going, hey, I'm from Sarnia. I'm from Chatham. I'm from here. And, oh, my God, you got lungs. Because at that time, so going back almost 10 years... So, you said 2012. Yeah. So, it'll be 10 years this coming February. Instagram came out in 11. So, yeah. uh, I did not have Instagram then. I can tell you. You didn't have Instagram? No. I got Instagram late in the game, man. How late? Because I still had a BlackBerry for a while. And I was like, (laughs) I want the pictures. Oh, hell yeah, BlackBerry. (laughs) Hell yeah. But everybody had iPhone. They had switched to iPhone at that point. I didn't. No, no, no. When I got Instagram. (laughs) They had all shifted to iPhone. And they all took really nice photos, and I'm like, my BlackBerry's still grainy, and I don't take pictures, so. Yo, man, I had that pearl for a while. Mm, uh, that was the like nice that, one. That's the that best. Was, yeah. That's the no, best. No, I remember Blackberry. it was a Christmas gift. My parents got iPhones, and the three of us as sisters got Blackberries, and I went, what the heck? Like, I didn't get a cell phone until I was 16, and now my sister has one, and it's a Blackberry. That's not fair, but you know, I got over it. So, did social media then, or so? No, okay, wait. Um. <sighs> So I guess so many avenues. Where do you want to pick up? From? You know, I know where I want to go. I want to. So did I? Like, so do you think with now with the connecting? Then did social mm-hmm. media, you know, really help? Obviously, or did do you feel social media helped with, um, um, you know, with your did. journey? So you have surgery, and then you have to stay in Toronto for three months after. Everyone who has double lung minimum three months stay. That that being said, so, anybody who listens and complains about a three hour mm, merge wait, yeah. just wow. listen to this. Yeah. Get the f- yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that's the thing. Out. So this is when I really started to notice that CF was something that was isolating because um one so is part of recovery. Isolating. Yeah. Legit. Le- like you, you legit had to isolate forced isolation. So there's the physio room yeah. where yeah. you did your treadmill, your bike, your free weights, whatever. They had to have it that if there was tra- lung transplant patients that were CF, they had to schedule our workout times because mm-hmm. they'd have to wipe everything down in between. Yeah. Sounds familiar. Oh, COVID. What? Not news. Yeah. Not news yeah. to me, man. No. Same yeah. fresh. But And they couldn't have us so back 10 years. They wouldn't even let us work out in the same room. So I did my three-month, almost the full three months physio on a separate floor in a separate gym By because yourself. there was another CF patient. And I thought... It was because I was CF, so they kept us in our own gym to keep it clean, which I understood. But when we asked about it, it was actually that my file was wrongfully labeled that I was MRSA positive, which is just a hospital bug. What but is I wasn't. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry, like say? MRSA. MRSA. M- MRSA. You got to remember, MRSA. a lot of the people listening are as slow it's as me. It's irrelevant and Dan. to the fact. It just that my file oh, was wrongfully it's labeled. Relevant. So I found that out, and I'm like, I could have been working out with other people. This whole time, you gotta be kidding me. That's relevant. That, yeah. I wouldn't say that's irrelevant. Well, just the, that's the name like of it. Your, your but anyway, life. Yeah, so yeah. for the last maybe three weeks of my workout, I was then scheduled to work out up on the 12th floor, which is the transplant floor, but I had to be opposite side of the room. So it's like a U shaped room. Right. And there's the same equipment on both sides. So, like, there could be another CF patient on the other side. Yeah. And yeah. I had to stay on this side. Yeah. We couldn't cross. <laughs> And you had to, you couldn't like meet, yeah, (laughs) we'd be like waving now, but you could also pick out the other CF patient. We were the only young people because most people getting lung transplants were like, no offense, like 65 and older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So seniors. And so if you were with a disease that had shown up in the last couple of years or whatever, so it was new to them, but yeah. So we, uh, that's when I realized like, oh, so CF is still a thing now going off like medical record and stuff post transplant i don't culture my cf bugs typically as much because the lungs don't have cf so they don't culture in my lungs 
So I have now met up with other friends with CF who are also post-transplant because we're not as much of a risk. Now, again, depends which doctor you talk to, and it depends, you know, like I have trusted people that... Oh, i got to screen them. <coughs> oh, you got... You I do. Got screen. Okay. Oh, literally, oh, we're like, so yes. what was the last bug you <laughs> yeah. cultured? When was the last time you were sick? How are you feeling? Like, and it's the weirdest thing, but like, I it, just oh, imagine. before, like CF lungs, I cultured pseudomonas, aeruginosus, or this, like, okay, yeah, yeah, you're cool. We cultured the same stuff, but now we don't culture it. Like, imagine, but that's CF normal Tinder? conversation. Yeah. CF Tinder is probably <laughs> out of control right now. <laughs> I would love it. Well, like, remember? the profiles yep. are probably like, I've cultured this, this, this. But with my new lungs, I clean. I'll culture you, baby. <laughs> like, come There's on. There's got to be so many categories and check marks and shit mm -hmm. like that you got to check on. But here's the thing is like, yep. you know, so I only have met in person with a select few people that I know really well and I know that they're on top of their game they take care of themselves and if they felt like sick or off at all would not put their life or mine at risk now whereas you know there's some idiots out there I that was were gonna like, say it, sound, it sounds harsh yeah. but those are the people that are alive on, though mm -hmm. that put those F, that and put that, that are that on top and they pay attention and they're not the people that just do what they're told they're exactly. the ones who are involved in their own care yeah and, and, and you make that realization mm -hmm. that this shit's serious yeah. that's a team player right there yeah it's 100 i think it's player. one of those things where like you oh said yeah i was at eight. a friend of mine i was at his wedding a couple weeks before i got my call for lungs for the second transplant now can and i was like don't come too close because i don't know <sighs> if i'm sick or not and i also wasn't going near like anyone because i was waiting for lungs and if i got sick i couldn't go into surgery so. can we elaborate on that because yeah. that's something i didn't know about until i saw your story go viral on what was the oh platform um so cystic fibrosis canada filmed a video is that the one i saw but what what it went like put viral it went on upworthy or something yes upworthy. that's the one yeah, yeah they yeah, shared yeah. it from yeah, so, cf okay, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. so yeah, upworthy I, and yeah. i know you went viral on that and i got it, over one million views on it. Hey, i was like that's way famous. more than we'll, yeah. way more than we'll ever get so cool. oh, we're never touching that hey, hey hey you're part of the crew now though so we all count everybody that's a fan of tara <laughs> become a fan of, <laughs> fan of us please um but i found like yeah, um, so that was yeah Upworthy shared it from them publishing it. And I was just like, I woke up one day, so many notifications, and everyone was like, did you see what happened? And I was just like, wow. That blew up as shit. It was so cool. I um, like, it was so surreal. Yeah. Do you think, like, one thing I didn't know about that world was you have to be fit for transplant. Mm. I, th yep. I think is the official mm -hmm. definition of... What do you mean by fit? Like, Literally, you, have to you be need to pass, like medical oh. test to go into she surgery was, she was talking about because organs are scarce yeah, yeah, so like basically you get like you need to while you're on the list so for lungs you have to do a physio program three days a week where you're working out in a like supervised gym that is a medical gym yeah. oh i thought this was for kid i thought because I saw something like that on Grey's Anatomy. I didn't know no, that was No, no, no. So oh, yeah, that's why I wanted to get because, into the her was because so I remember because you. Because there's donors for these transplants. It's not it's a not surgery easy. that they're going in. Like, you need to acquire this organ, and you need to be, A, in good enough shape to survive surgery because Correct. otherwise they could have given that organ to someone else. Someone else, yeah. And then, B, it's also your recovery is going to be easier if, like, if you're not laying in a bed waiting for lungs, you know, in your work and your leg muscles and arms as much as you can, then it's easier for you to boost yourself up out of bed and onto the commode and then walk the hallway and you have to be able to hold the walker. And then you also have to teach yourself to breathe again, which is all new muscles. So 
for yeah. people that are listening and don't understand, basically, mm-hmm. you have to perform to a baseline mm-hmm. of You have to be sick enough, but not too sick. Holy sh... That's exactly it. And yeah. that's what I wanted to get into, because mm-hmm. you were mm-hmm. talking about working out or, like, yep. uh, running on a tread. I don't know yep. what you said exactly. Well, I mean, at that point, it was, like, walking at, like, 0.4 kilometer <laughs> an hour, and you're, like... <laughs> and not dying. Yeah, exactly. But in the video, yeah, I said, you know, brushing my teeth felt like running a 400-meter sprint because yep. I used to be able to run a 400-meter sprint, which is death. Anyone who does that by choice, I think they're psychotic. Shout out to anybody who runs All you running fun. people, <laughs> you guys crazy. are psychotic. I ran 400s. You're, you're crazy, But bro. that is one of the worst sprints, you is crazy. it not? 400s, it's... I don't it's know. deadly. I feel good. You know you I don't know. Sprint You're it. proud of yourself, yeah. but it's deadly. It's <laughs> the whole track. Yeah, yeah. I it's can awful. hoof that thing. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I, like a hundred's easier. <laughs> but like, is what I mean. I think a lot of people's reaction. I think I, I look back. I'm psychotic for having done cross country and track for fun in elementary school. I did both those no all way through high school. My, my, I say to my parents, "Why did you let me do that?" They're like, "Well, we weren't going to tell you you couldn't because you, you could." If you think about but it, but like though, I'd be hacking up a lung and yeah. like puking at the end of it, but I'd be like, "I did it!" Like. That's but that's physio right for me. That's treatment. That that's, they're like, you're using your lungs and you're clearing the mucus. So why exactly. were we going to say no? Exactly. Yep. Like, yep. That's My dad taught me how to like hork up a phlegm so well. He was so proud of me. Do you mean hawk a loogie? Is that Pretty much, yeah. Saying? But I wasn't going to go that far. I was going to try to be a little more polite. A little I am classy a, about it. I'm a classy female. Hack up a lung. Hork. <laughs> yeah. No. So like. Yeah. But they teach you that in clinic. Like you have to learn breathing 100%. techniques to clear your lungs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people don't realize. It's a good thing people can't see me. (laughs) I I look beautiful right now. I don't think a lot of people realize like how cutthroat it is to get a to get a transplant. Which is why you see stories or people who have gone like so that are an alcoholic who is recovered uh, and needs a liver. That anyone. Well, anyone that needs a transplant, you can't drink. Yeah. Any transplant, and you obviously you can't smoke. Yeah. So you, if you developed COPD because you were a smoker, which a lot of people were, if you go back 40, 50 years, everyone smoked. Turns out I have, um, the doctors this whole time have been saying, oh, you have honeycombs in your lungs. Oh, interesting. Turns out the hospital called me and they're like, so we got the test for uh, emphysema here. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, wait, Ooh. no one mentioned emphysema. emphysema. They were just like they fun just say honeycombs. honeycombs. Yep. And I was like, what the fuck? Yep. If you mentioned emphysema, I would have stopped smoking yeah. like a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But like they were just like fun honeycombs. And oh I was God. like, okay, that's fun. <laughs> They're like, no, no reason to worry. You just no. got honeycombs in your lung. But and yeah, so it's, as soon it as is, I said that, you knew yeah. what honeycombs oh, I, were. I, I, they look cool. I mean, so I also am they geeky cool. and I like exactly. the science side of it. So like I, I watch all the research for exactly. But anyway, yeah. yeah. No, as soon as you say honeycomb, I'm like, ooh. But then I'm like, ooh. But as someone <laughs> who went to school for psychology, oh, like, yeah, you're like honeycombs are left. I uh, and on top of Circle that, of I life. appreciate the the, the, the science like research. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, why didn't anyone anybody say emphysema? It mm-hmm. was the same thing with my ADHD yep. medicine. Is they called it Concerta the whole time, which mm-hmm. is a fun lovey-dovey name. Until they're like, we're treating. And ADHD. then they text me and they say, you're meth is ready to pick up mm. and I'm oh like, you're methyl blah blah blah, blah wait a minute yeah. what yeah. the fuck mm-hmm. i thought i was taking concerta which sounded a lot which is more probably fun. like what the brand name yep exactly yeah. it's a lot more fun mm-hmm. than meth mm. so it's like when you get that like realization you're like what the fuck yeah yep but basically <laughs> yeah so there's but there's been court cases against this Yep. Of people who have said, you know, as an alcoholic, I'm recovering from this illness. Why do I have to quit drinking? 
but it is something that is across the board. Yep. But it's because organs are scarce. And not everybody is a registered donor. And people die all the freaking time. You don't need your organs when you're dead, but people aren't registered. You can't just take organs. Well, There's reasons Canada, for it. Can I was going to say, in Canada correct. alone, yep. we have 30 million people, roughly, mm -hmm. population. How many people are organ donors registered? And oh, organ donors? Make them guess. Make I, them guess. Do you have the number? I think it's like 7,000, 8,000. It's like half of the half of the population. Wait, wait, wait. Stop, 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 stop. But then I want to go into really quick because I do have solid numbers here. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, for lung, lung transplants alone. Am I guessing or no? Yeah, I want him Take to Take a guess. At 2000, when did you get your second lung transplant, Tara? 2018. 2018. Okay, so I got those numbers Record right breaking here. Year. Record breaking year. Record breaking year. In fact... So how many people Wait, live in so Canada? I want him to guess like the number of organ donors registered. How many people do you think were registered as an organ donor in what numbers do you have in front of you? All right, here? how many people how many people live in Canada? Is it 30 million? Somewhere Let's just 32 say 30. Or like that. Yeah, 30. 30 is an easier number. Let's All go right, with that. All right, so 30 million. How many people are registered organ donors? Fuck. 17? 17 million? Oh, I think so 17. No, 17 million. 17 people. Honestly, just, accurate. No. Just, I'd say just okay. above half. Just above half. Oh. So if it's 30 million people, I would say 17 million people. Okay. okay. So it is still the Trillium gift of life. So that is Ontario numbers. Okay. So Unless it says Canada specific. Trillium is Ontario. Okay. Yep. How so many people live in Ontario? You know more than is us. That like so 10? Is that like 10 million people? Oh, I couldn't tell you. I just kind of want to ask. Google so right. Sarnia only recently surpassed the 40% registry. The highest overall donor registration is Kincardine, North Bay, Russell, mm -hmm. Espanola, Sudbury. So all the northern Ontario. Smaller population. Easier exactly. To get and you're still only <coughs> looking at the top percentage of 60% donor registration. Mm -hmm. All right, so tell me, tell me how many people in Canada are registered. Six out of ten, basically. At the top. No, for Canada, though, no, no. You'd That's be below I mean. 50. At you'd be top. below 40%. Below 40%. You uh -huh. couldn't get over six out now, of ten. Now, false. Okay. Humboldt happened. Wh who? Humboldt, the hockey, oh, the hockey bus team. crash. Okay, okay, okay. okay and yeah. organ donation numbers skyrocketed. And so I was listed when that happened. I left my phone on the charger so I didn't miss a call. Get the fuck. The weirdest out. thing, while you are listed for organs, you get told by your doctors keep your phone it's on you every time. holiday, yeah. every long weekend. Oh shit. Every because that's when the most accidents happen. Oh my goodness. That's when the most people are traveling, but now also lungs has to come from a brain death, lung and heart. You so cannot be dead in a car accident and still transplant that because they need living, pumping blood and oxygen. So you need But kidney, pancreas, liver, you can transplant from a deceased person. So there's a difference. Yeah. And this is where, yeah, people have Dan's reaction here of like, this gets gruesome and weird and you're talking about you want someone to die so you can live. And that's where people come out of the woodworks and go, how can you ask that? And I'm saying... I don't want people to die. I know people die people every die day. Every day, yeah. And yeah. when you die, I want you to give your organs to somebody who needs it and give them a second chance We've because they can keep that. living. We've yep, talked yep. about that, like, um, but it's free. They tell you Canada Day weekend. That is just sad as Christmas, shit. New Year's. Those are the busiest times for surgeons. And do you need, if you were to get a set of lungs, mm -hmm. for lack, let, let, let's break it down to layman's terms. 
Do you need someone that's similar age, similar... No. So you need blood type. Okay. Then they look at antibodies. Okay. To match it up. And then at that point, so this is narrowing down the list of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they go, who's sicker? Who's been listed longest? And then the doctors run all their tests, stuff like that. But to match an organ, they look at blood type and antibodies. Blood so basically, type. they're looking at the success rate of it in your body. Then they, the very last thing they imply is size. Now, did say, you? Okay, that's where I was gonna. Yeah. I was gonna be like, because they size. can shave lungs down. So if I had a six foot tall man donating <laughs> lungs, and they matched me, they just shave them down and shove Should them in make there. Make them a little petite lungs. Or your body will adapt. So I had a friend, Kayla, who got lungs. And well, you're just cutting lungs. Yeah. Well, now they try not to because if you ha- the more you have to critique them, the more issues there could be. But I have her. So she was so sick and waited so long for a match that she got to the point where they were considering living lobe donor. So they would take one lobe from Dan A here and one lobe from Dan B and transplant them into me. So I would live with two lobes, that's not a, a full lung. That's a caramel lung right there. <laughs> that's what they call that, the caramel Juicy. lung. But it would be, so you have five lobes. There's two on your left side and three in your right because oh, your heart's on your left side. Interesting. So oh. it's a very small portion. But you can live with one lung. You can live with, and then your body would fill that space. So yep. in the same sense, they can squish a lung in there, and your body, the fluid and stuff in your body would just be like, all right, we're going to tighten up and give them space. But you can't go, like, super huge. Now maybe So they shave them down. That's crazy. So they basically mm-hmm. miniaturize lungs if they have to. Mm-hmm. If there is no one listed. That's crazy. Now, and again, size is not their priority. Now, it's gotta be. I yeah. wanted to get into this because I felt, looking from the outside in, this mm-hmm. was like a whole thing for me. Is there's like a weird, it's almost like being on a sports team. We talked about this with gymnastics, where you're on a team, but you're against each other. Mm-hmm. Where in the sense of, oh, we're all waiting for lungs, but I want to get them before you. Exactly. Yep, now, yep, this yep. is getting a little more like. Or you go, how the hell did so and so get their call last weekend? Mm-hmm. But this person over here has been. But Ex- you can't do that. Exactly. You can. So do you do you ever feel. Because I don't know what antibodies you have. I know what your blood type is, though. But do you ever feel guilt like, or guilty, say, because we, we've spoken about. Oh, knowing about of people who pass away. list. So basically every three days somebody's passing away on the transplant list that's right in Ontario. Two questions yeah. I was going to get into is one is we've got into the niche community that mm-hmm. you've created or, or that you have access to via social media and things like yeah. that. Yeah. But that with your... Um, I guess disease, mm-hmm. chronic mm-hmm. disease is it leads to death no matter yep. what. That's what in the name. So do you yeah. ever feel guilt or anything when you you're on your second pair of lungs? And oh, I know this might yeah, be yeah, p- yeah. personal, but do you ever feel because I've seen you post like that shadows, people are dying. Yeah. Shadows to this person because you more than either of us right here have had more friends probably pass than either of us oh, combined. Yeah. Uh, and then like uh, your whole family members, like grandparents included. Exactly, yeah. exactly. You're I would say, and I'm more in tune to that recently. Intertwined yeah, yeah, in that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so that's you, when I, lately I've had to be like, I'm stepping back and I'm not making new friends or I'm not staying as involved in so the CF does. or transplant community because so there's too much bad. So it does affect you emotionally. Oh, absolutely. I saw there's on only a select few people that I am close enough that their name is saved in my phone as texting. Right, and I keep would message and be like, "Oh my God, this happened at work today." With like non just like CF and life related right. things, because it got to the point where I remember it was when um, 
Oh, I was at school at Lampton at this point, so like 2013, I think it was. It was when your viral and video came out. Like three I really weeks, realized that it within three or two or three weeks, I lost four people, that's all crazy. under the age of 24. Yeah. And that's when I was just like, I I shut down. I was like, I don't want to talk to anybody with CF. I don't want to hear about transplant. Don't ask me. Don't talk about it because how how do you cope with losing four people that young? That's and when that crazy. happens, I get pissed off. Because that's when I'm like, this could easily be fixed and cured and we could do Like, we just need fundraising. We need research. Like, I get frustrated and pissed off. And that's when I go, like, if I, like, you yeah. know, there's so much money out there and we're Elon Musk and we're freaking trying to go off into space in a penis-shaped thing. Like, come yeah. on. Make a fucking Mars Make space better loop. choices, people. Yeah. So the, yeah, But again, the, I'm like... So I, that I, does weigh heavy on you. Like, yeah. it's not like you're... That's why I am. That's why I work with CF Canada. You're not emotionally disconnected. From no. Us. Yeah, you're not emotionally because <laughs> no, I go to therapy that. for that, and I have learned how to properly emotionally. Yeah. Connect. Some may view but that's that honestly not till the last. I I did. I've only started doing therapy uh, since pretty much since COVID hit. I never dealt with uh, specifically like a therapist or social worker. Uh, before that because before i'm like i get panic attacks and anxiety because i can't breathe well here's an anxiety med because it made sense that when you have 16 percent lung function <laughs> you're gonna panic over not being able to breathe <laughs> but i didn't have to sit in and on appointment i'm just laughing at the correlation right? like, of like mm. the problem yeah. and like the which is so normal for, like, because I'm like, it's so yeah. circular symptoms yeah but yeah, it's yeah. like uh, that made sense and so like when you talked about living in the hospital next to palliative people so for my second transplant I waited two years, over two years for it, mm -hmm. and I was put on palliative care I, I because I was end that. of life if I did not receive a transplant. I remember seeing and that And when from they the mentioned it, yeah, when they mentioned palliative, I, I did a post about it on my page, yeah. and I remember when they mentioned it, I was like, I'm not palliative. What, what do you mean? Wait, what the fuck? But then they said, yeah. no, 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 that's just the medical term for it. What we're going to do is give you a medication that ended up being a type of morphine, that made my muscles relax around my rib cage and it made it so I didn't have as many panic attacks. I could breathe easier. And I'm like, where the hell has this shit been the two years <laughs> I've been waiting? Because I remember... Because it would have been awesome. Yeah. I remember so you fighting against the, the system. Yeah. Basically, I like... I thought palliative just means you're dying. That's... And that's what... Yeah, I thought palliative exactly. meant you are dead exactly. in a month. And I was like, I thought I was pretty... Like, I, my health was yeah. stable. I'm in good shape to get lungs and survive surgery and, like... Because for the second one, you want to list earlier because it's a harder surgery because you're doing scar tissue. A repeat surgery of any kind is harder. Like, So, yeah. Palliative was a big deal. I was like, what the fuck do you know that I don't know? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> And then, yeah. So even when you talked about that and you're mentioning there's people dying and I want, I was like, I have to bring that up and be like, palliative does not mean you're going to be dead tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I couldn't believe and I, thought I saw it was. that from the outside mm -hmm. in. Like, cause I remember you making a post on Facebook being like, um, I think you were on yeah. basically borderline. Mm -hmm. I don't, and I could be recalling this incorrectly, but I, I think you were on borderline. Like, and I was like, wait a minute, what the fuck? Like mm -hmm. if, the, if she can make statuses on Facebook, on Facebook and be living at home, why is she not getting, yeah, yeah, yeah. give the girl some freaking lungs, mm -hmm. like for lack of better terms, yep. give her some lungs. Yep. But then you look into more realizing mm -hmm. Hey, well, the first transplant, I waited 11 transplant. days. Yep. 
I was on death's door yeah. and did not realize how sick I was wow. because your body adapts, which yeah, is so amazing that your body can function. After your first transplant, yeah. how quick were you sent on the, the transplant list again for your next set of lungs? Uh, so I didn't reject that transplant until I was 22 months out. Is that so what it's officially called? It's actually, even if it's 22, like... Whenever it happens, it's Two reject- years out, it's considered a rejection? Yeah. Interesting. And it can happen at any point in time. So what would cause a rejection, exactly? A uh, few different things. So, okay. uh, like, the most like easy way to explain it. So I could catch a cold, and my body produces antibodies to fight off a cold. Yeah. And if it produced too many antibodies, or it went into, like, hyperdrive and discovered my lungs We're as foreign. the foreign object, oh. they start attacking the lungs. Holy shit. So that's why I take meds every day that are anti-rejection. Yep. That's suppressing my immune system. So on a daily basis, my body doesn't discover that the lungs functioning are not mine. So you're undercover. You got these lungs yeah. in you undercover. So you're basically. covert mm-hmm. lungs. Yeah, covert in COVID. Lungs. Yeah. I'm covert on the COVID. Covert, the covert <laughs> on the COVID lungs. So here. COVID yeah. would... So you fall in the category when they were listing people. So that's that's one type of rejection. Like another type is um, stem like grafts. Straight up so rejection. So like your like the surgery. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. hard no. We're just gonna jump out of your body. Just no. Nah-uh. But like the <laughs> like the grafts where you've been stitched together and stuff, or your body if you get like an infection or they decide not to heal proper or whatever, then your body starts rejecting the organ basically. So there's there's like five different types. So it's like the girl at the bar. Yeah. Rejection right then and there. <laughs> it's so crazy. Talk that, to the hand because yeah. the face ain't home. Like it's so crazy <laughs> that I remember you going through that and then yeah. having so it to was, go through and again. like the two year mark is kind of like you're all clear from the initial surgery. Your chances of rejection drop. This and I was two months out of that two year. I'm like, this is my life. This is my luck. And in in medical terms, you can't argue that. You can't nope. be like, I'm too only two months short. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. just like, I'm so close. Just give it to me. Like, yeah, yeah no. Have so at that months. point, I did the tests for relisting, and they told me, you know, the idea with transplant, especially lungs, because they're hard to come by. It's a hard surgery. You want to extend how long you have that set as much mm. as possible. So I didn't actually end up relisting until I was four and a half years out. Okay. So I went from 22 months out to four and a half years with just living in limbo of like, you're not quite sick enough to relist, but you're, you're sick again. So you're trying to prove you're healthy enough for new lungs but on an old enough. set of yeah. lungs, yeah. Yeah. but sick enough on mm-hmm. that old and set. And that's of- when I had some of like the, I feel bad because there's a donor family out there with these, like that I got these lungs. Yeah. And here I am wishing for another set already. Yep. But I also want to be like living to the best of my ability to like not like honor their family, but like honor the fact that there are somebody else's lungs in no, me. No, hundred percent. And a lot of transplant patients yeah. end up having like survivor's guilt for like the simplistic term of you have somebody else's organ in you and you want to do especially when you find out who the family is. So if you find out that they are like a Hindu practicing family, some people try and like pick up that religion or you find out that like, Oh, that person was like their favorite sport was baseball. I'm going to get into baseball. Like some people literally take on the identity or like the throw curveballs. And so, (laughs) yeah. And then there's people out there too, who are like, after my transplant, like I suddenly love salt and I hated salt. So I I must must have got that from my donor. And I'm like, no, you're just on a lot of medication that makes you dehydrated. And so salt goes hand in hand with that. But like, so there's some kind of, you know, willy nilly stuff. So how did this like affect, like, you know, there's, I want to get into something else, but like, how did this, did your parents like talk too much about like, you know, how this was affecting them? Like, how did, how did they handle 
Yeah. Uh, um, you're, and your sister, sorry. And my sister. So, yeah, so I should say, yeah. like, so um, I'm the oldest of three, and I have an older half-sister as well. She's okay. 14 years older than me and lives in the States. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she, like, I've always known her, yeah. and she's always been part of my she's life. She's always a sister. But the older I've gotten, the closer we've become because there happens, was a gap, yeah, and happens, yeah. and they live in the states, and she was off in school when I was like young. I have a brother um, like that. Too, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so imaginary brother. <laughs> he doesn't exist. Um, so I am the so in my family of my parents, I'm the oldest of three. So my the middle of the three of us, Aaron, is technically three years younger, Shout two out and Aaron. a half. Yeah. Um, and then Leah is the youngest. Shout out Leah. And she is five years younger. Okay. So there's five year gap, and then um, so Leah would have been in elementary school, still grade eight, when I got sick. Not a lot of comprehension about what was going on. Oh, so much. This girl Almost is beyond really. smart. Oh, I was okay. gonna say she would walk eight? home on her lunches when I was sick and like flush out my pick lines, my IVs at home, and like she helped out a lot. Oh wow! Mm. So she had a very big awareness and very independent. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. She's smart. She's the one who became the engineer out of the three of us. That okay. goes like hand She's in the hand. Yeah, yeah. That no. goes hand in hand with like I wanted to say it earlier is anybody that's been kind of raised in mm-hmm. the hospital scenario. It's normal. Their siblings seem so to be very oddly enough. To it as so well. the middle of us, Erin, wanted nothing to do with it at the time. Okay. What does she do for work now? Isn't she a nurse? <laughs> <laughs> Not quite, but she works as an ECE with Pathways, and she works oh, with special shit. needs kids that have feed tubes, that have, you know, they don't speak, they have autism, they have anything. So she's literally doing, you know, dressing changes and feed tube changes and stuff on these kids. Basically, she didn't want to it was, face I think, out of her sister. Hat. So I think the difference is she didn't know, she didn't like that, the closeness of it. Yes, exactly. But then as she yeah. grew up, when, well, I'm used to this and I enjoy helping out. So, like, and I, it was one of those, like, it was like a full 180. We're all like, I was like, really? You changed a feed tube? Like, I'm like, I don't even like touching my feet. Like, that grossed me out. Uh, and she's like, oh, I do it all the time and I run the feeds and I do the boluses. And I'm like, whoa, words. Like, <laughs> who are you, Leah? Like, but, and then Leah was always like the math, science, like straightforward. She was just kind of like, I just flush the saline in the line and it's done. Like, it doesn't bother me. So like, she oh. just, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as a whole, getting into like, did my parents talk about it? No. Like it wasn't tough. Like it, w- it was, I got sick so fast. That and I went from being healthiest I've ever been to you need lungs. And I didn't even know that that was a treatment for CF at that point because I had never been sick enough for it to be brought up. And my friend who had CF <coughs> growing up, the idea of a, a lung transplant though was never mm-hmm. brought into the equation. Like I said, there was a, a huge spectrum. So transplant is also new. And the idea of and transplant, transplant in CF is also new. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So like the idea of Putting someone else's lungs in you was like when I heard that I was like, "What the f-? like that's it's futuristic scientific TV way stuff. more serious yeah. than I thought." Mm-hmm. And on top of that, like I think even in 2020, there was only 132 people that had a lung transplant. Oh yeah, like so I was part of a record-breaking year at Toronto General Hospital in 2018 that they did 195. In 2018, is that what it was? Yeah. So that was the most they'd ever done. I think it was the year after that. They broke 200. Sorry, hold on. 210 in 2019, and then it dropped back down to 
132 yeah. in 2020. Mm-hmm. And that's Hold on a sec. So yeah. is, this, is this in Canada or is that in Ontario? Ontario. These Ontario. are Ontario. Ontario. Okay. So there's only four hospitals in Canada that do transplant for lungs. Okay. Toronto so. being the main one. And then you've got Montreal, you have Edmonton, and you have Vancouver. BC. So you're basically safe. On the West Coast? You get times by four <laughs> but to get a So Toronto answer. is the only center that does double on a routine basis okay. and high risk. So then you could probably times like so 2.5 or yeah. by three, a little less than four, and you'd mm-hmm. probably get the rough Canadian rough Canadian I would outlet. say, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the other Ont- hospitals probably do about half. Yeah, exactly. All the spe- like, yeah. So yeah, Ontario's heavy. If you're high the risk, population. like there's the margin, CF patients. Margarine yeah. version of it. CF patients. Yeah, margarine. The margarine? <laughs> CF <laughs> patients from version. like Vancouver come to Toronto. Yeah. For their transplants. So, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. It's my, crazy yeah, to look at these numbers to think wild. that of a mm-hmm. 30 million. I'm lucky that I only live three and a half hours away. Like I was like. I meet people who have to sell their home in Nova Scotia, move to Toronto Just to be listed. Bounce. Oh wow! So it's like life, like people alter their. Up, up so route. initially, yeah. before science progressed, you had to live in Toronto while you were listed. So my first transplant, I had to live there, yeah. which is why I was like, "We don't believe in science anymore." I want to come. <laughs> I want to come home for Christmas, so I don't want to stay in Toronto for Christmas. Christmas is my favorite like holiday. My yeah. parents have a big thing. Like, I'm and going on home. top of that, you're not at the age where you can compute. No, I went. I'm an adult. I get to make my own medical decisions. I'm not listing exactly. right now. I'm going home, yeah. and I can say that, and you can't tell me what to do. Yep. So but my parents didn't talk about, or at least not to us or myself. And to be fair, like I was in the hospital, so I wasn't at home. So maybe my younger sisters saw the change in my parents. But I lived in, like, so I stayed in the hospital a lot. And I my hospital was Toronto. Okay. And I said to, like, my parents, I'm like, I don't need you guys sitting next to my bed every day. Like, I Did wake you feel up bad I a eat. little bit. Did you? I always that? said stay home with my sisters because they're younger, or whatever. And I'm like, I don't need you sitting here next to me all day because, you know, the nurse is bringing your meds and stuff. And like, I would just sit and pass time and sleep and what. So I was like, I was never a patient. Like in my mind, I was like, why would my parents stay with me in hospital? But they were always reluctant to leave, though. They didn't oh, they probably them. hated it. Yeah. But I was like, why would you? like when they said like, well, uh, pediatrics, well, we'll stay with. I was like, why the hell would you stay with? Like, yeah. go home to Aaron and Leah. Like, and I'm like, I don't know. Like. But I'm then from enough. their point of view, they're, they're like, going, we're we leaving our you? child yeah. in a hospital. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You get it now, though, right? Yeah. Oh, I exactly. absolutely. But yeah. in the moment, I, I was like, same for Dan. Yeah. His situation Why would too. you stay? So I'm like, yeah, you guys go home during the week and then come visit on weekends. That's fine. But even like just thinking back, I'm like, oh, my God, the toll of doing that drive to Toronto. Like I shout out to my mom every time I give a speech of shout like out, mom. Nancy, nurse Nance. We love no, her. Oh, nurse Nance. Shout she... out. Oh, your mom's a nurse. No. No, oh, she just that is an ironic nickname. Yeah. She <laughs> hated the drive to Toronto, and now she'd do it by herself. Like, but she was put in that situation and had to adapt and go outside her comfort zone. And the comfort zone. We're there. looping in there. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, I call her Nurse Nance because, like, she the first transplant, she was the one that came in the hospital with me a lot. Um, but she's also the one that when they were pulling a chest tube for me she almost passed out and all the doctors had to stop what they were doing with me to deal with her and i'm like from now on nancy's not allowed in the room when anything's happening because well, I, if they're gonna run to you in the middle of my thing i guess i never so, yeah. thought about that as how they deal with it graphic the surgery would be oh absolutely yeah, like yeah. even i think you mentioned your surgery with your wrists and stuff it's like not too graphic to imagine mine's not really gross no but to imagine a 
a double lung transplant. Yeah. Well, most people think I'd be you cut open I, vertically, right? So people are always like, well, where's your scar? Well, that's what I would assume because there's, there's a Netflix show. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe she gets a heart transplant. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge and thing. And they start the show with a pan down her naked body with one Netflix don't pan down a character that's supposed to be in high school's nude body mm, yeah, because that makes me feel thing. weird inside. Mm-hmm. What is what? what um, I don't know. I want to know what this is. Now, what's, a, what's a Netflix show? But hold on. Wait, you're so you're how they cut you open to put lungs in. So I'm cut oyster. So I'm horizontal, like armpit to armpit. Oh, I wouldn't have yeah. known that or wait, guess what? Point, so point for me. So I'm like kind of like armpit Kay. across. Straight across, like Straight down, across. and so they call it like an oyster clamshell, because so like right here it, it just pops open like that. So what they do, they cut, and then they have to saw your sternum. <laughs> yeah, because you crack, you break yeah. the sternum, you, yeah. you you smash this open, mm-hmm. you smash yeah. it open, yeah, so like smash. an oyster. So like whenever we play, like never have I ever, I'm like never yeah. have I ever broken a bone. If somebody says that, I'm like, well, does it count if a doctor broke it for you? Because I've never broken a bone, but yeah, they've they, sawed they my gotta, sternum open. Smash yeah. you open. So Netflix. So show? they literally peel your skin, like. Oh, so like and then this. they hold your rib cage. Yeah. And then it's like this. Yeah. It's the exact opposite of what your brain initially. I imagines. woke up after my first transplant and like looked down and was like, they didn't do the surgery now high on pain meds. And my parents are like, are you kidding? Of course they did. Like they yeah. did the wrong thing. No. How oh, long, yeah. Sorry. How long did, how long did surgery take? Just curious. Um, like, first one I think was, oh shoot. Like nine hours maybe. Second one was like 14 and a half, 15. Holy What's your longest surgery, Dan? Shit, Let's compare some surgery times here. I think for me, I'm uh, I'm like three or four for my wrist. About three, something like that. And that was a pretty major... This one's just, just a ten... This, just. This one's a tendon Just. Trans. I was going to say... You so I w- like my question is like for your around. spinal stuff, those ha- don't those tend to be like long because it's super finicky? Or are they shorter because it's super finicky and you can only do so much at a time? Mine, spinal. So it's it you know like mcdreamy here on this so let's great day to save lives yeah from what i'm told is it's rare to it's not it's not rare but it's not common to it's not uh Normal it's not common to have whatever. just one surgery no like yeah, yeah for those kinds for, of for, yep, yeah it's multiple yeah, yeah it's at least like minimum two yeah. i'm i'm thankful i'm i'm one Oh, okay. Just, yeah. yeah. So I only just had to have one on my neck. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to the oh, I'm glad they didn't have to cut me open again after surgery because right. sometimes, so if you had lungs or you had swelling, they can't close you up right away. So they have to kind of leave you semi-open. Yeah. What? And then go back and close like up half, when the swelling goes. Like by. half tied up. They like, seal mm-hmm. you with this like. Thing. I've never really like seen it. So it's 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 almost like like a. I want to say like a mesh or like a something okay, that yeah, like yeah, is I've not going to stick yeah. to anything. It's like a bag. Yeah, but like, and <laughs> then they stuff that. you. Yep. Yeah. And you're left open until the swelling goes down, so they can properly stitch and seal and, and yeah. go back in. And like it blows my mind to think the only the thing like keeping my sternum together is a teeny little wire, like yeah. that doesn't even set off like security magnetic alarms. Like. Well, I used to think, oh great, I'm gonna just set off things when I go through yeah, them. No, they don't. But then I'm like. I'm also bringing a chair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't even think of that. A giant-ass <laughs> metal chair. Oh, yeah. Scoop that's what's going to set through. it off. Yeah. Also, Netflix show is called Chambers, just so everybody knows. Chambers? It's good okay. watch. But the opening okay. scene yeah. is a pan down a of nude like body. And she's supposed to be in high school. And I was like, yo, mm. you should stop that. Okay. Well, switching, switching gears yeah. here, because, yeah. like, you know, I <laughs> learned a lot about... <laughs> CF and you know transplants and you know, how that goes, but like 
you know, when it came to the moments when you're actually uh, like recovering, right? Mm-hmm. Like the bounce back, like what was that yeah. like? Like what kind of like, where did you reach for or who did you reach for or look to for like inspiration? And like, how did that, hmm. like, what did that look like? So like the first one, the, yeah. the cool thing about getting new lungs the first time is I like, like that you phrased it. I don't think I've ever heard that sentence before. <laughs> in the cool the, thing about, about getting, getting lungs the first oh, time. Lungs the first time. Well, because I think back to like when I was healthy and how I was able to breathe. That's all I've known. Yeah, Fair, but you're talking about it like it's a vending machine. <laughs> no, no, no. She, she just <laughs> said that. And it's like, yeah. I don't think I've ever been there in a situation. There are sentences that come out of my mouth yeah. that I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like, I'll never be in a situation again where, where you I say hear that. an individual Or if you do, say, you're going to be like, you've had a transplant? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, wait a minute. Yeah. You got new lungs? Uh, that was cool. Though. But yeah. as soon yeah, as sorry, the breathing yeah, tube comes out, yeah. you are breathing. And you're breathing better and clearer than you ever have with CF lungs, at least. Yeah, yeah. So it's almost instantaneous because I can breathe. The hardest part is the muscle recovery because your lungs are ready to run a marathon. But my muscles have deteriorated so much and Atrophy. then you're put on so many meds Atrophy, uh. that y- you have to build. That's why you're in physio for three months afterwards and you're doing basic motion and movement to build those core muscles back up. Because you Cause even on a good day beforehand, I spent probably 60 to 70 percent of the time laying down, sleeping on the couch in bed. I'd get up and do my hour and a half workout. I'd do my meds, treatments, whatever. But you're still, like, the thought of getting up off the couch to go to the bathroom, like, walking to, was exhausting for me. Like, I would wait until, like, I was going to burst. And then you're like, fuck, I really got to pee. And then you're, like, running. Well, you mentioned, too, like, working out or, like, Mm -hmm. testing your lungs. And then if people don't know. Lung function tests were It's like, wait a minute. Why are you walking on a treadmill when you just had a Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You're within two weeks. I'm walking on a treadmill and I still have staples holding me together. Like. Meanwhile, people with colds are, like, told to lay in bed for two weeks and recover. I say don't, Mm -hmm. don't, like, expend your body. Yeah. Part of it, too, is you're working your chest walls and muscles to expand because at best before maybe like i don't remember what my numbers were beforehand because i never paid attention to them as a kid yeah because you, you, you i didn't you have don't, to you don't care but like, you don't know so the say at best i had 70 to 80 percent function at best but you had all of that mainly in the upper lobes and we usually used to have a rounded barreled chest see this is when a video would be nice yeah, yeah, yeah but like you have the hunchback because you use the upper part of your lungs to breathe because it's way more effort to breathe all the way down right so like diaphragmatic breathing shout out to like mr brennan and band in high school like <laughs> he made me learn breathing? french horn yeah high f on my final exam circular like, God. breathing that's where it's at baby. but and I, I literally afterwards he goes if i had known you had cf i never would have made you play that, that fr- and i'm like are you kidding that's all i had to do could i could have but yeah like I, that. so i learned trumpet on fridays so i could be in jazz band but like oh, thank you for that french horn right <laughs> but that's the thing it was like that was a workout for my lungs it was good yeah. but like i like they teach you how to do diaphragmatic breathing to put your oomph into the notes and stuff mm-hmm. so what i thought i was breathing properly i wasn't i never was even now i'm still learning to in like regular physio here like they're like do your diaphragmatic breathing and i'm like i am and they're like no you're not like yeah. <laughs> even when i did the test so, yeah. for the the, the honeycombs mm-hmm. um they were like take a deep breath and i was like 
well, well what kind of deep yeah. breath do you want? Mm-hmm. Like, because I can take that. <gasps> but then there's a. <gasps> yeah. Like, there's the mm-hmm. different types, which is very a conscious decision mm. yeah. to make as well. Yeah. If you're someone who's never had to think about how to breathe, breathe. that's a that's it's something. A, it's a very, yeah. very weird. Um, or, I mean, in sports, you're taught how to breathe differently. Like, if you're running in through nose, running, out through your mouth, yeah. whatever. But, but even like, then, yeah, it's, it's like, not the it's same not a as. It's not conscious thing no. yeah. until you're really. Yeah. Like, I find only yoga people or things like that really are oh in God. tune with... Yoga, I love it, but I hate it. Sometimes it causes an anxiety attack because I'm like, I can't think about my breathing like And this. then you realize, wait a minute. focused on yeah. your breath? Yeah. Because it just throws me back to, like, when I had to focus on it to, like, I can breathe when I thought I couldn't, like... So when you were just out, right? Let's say, yeah. you know, you're out and, you know, finally just eating a sandwich or something like that. Are you finding that, like... Or eating a cup those, of coffin over yeah. co- comfort... Uh, the cookies. 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 But I, I just eyed them up, too, like, mm, I might have more. <laughs> did you find in those moments you were st- you were still really focusing on your, your breathing? Like, do you find it difficult to not... So when I first had the breathing tube out yeah. and I was told, I don't really remember this, mm-hmm. I was like plaguing with the lungs. So I'm sitting there and I'm like... <laughs> and my mom's going, oh my God, what's happening? Can she breathe? Is something wrong? Are the you're, lungs failing? And I'm like... <laughs> like, she's going, oh my God. Like, And I'm like, this is fun. Like, I'm like, so this is the shit you guys get to have every single day? Like the first cold I got with healthy lungs. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is what you guys complain about? This is nothing. Like man up like so it was just i so the breathing tube comes out and right away you're like wow i am breathing more than i ever imagined like even in a dream when you don't think about breathing like better than that did you actually that's a good question fun question and i've asked dan this before did your dreams attune to your living condition oh that is a good oh like do you dream of yourself in a chair all the time now i'm never in a chair He's never. Never, never. Have you ever had really? Never been in a chair. Interesting. Yeah, I've never been in a chair. In a That's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know because it's not as much like obvious physical for me. Yep. Like CF is also like a. a it's it not is obvious. Physical, it is physical, but it's, but it's more not physical almost. But it's it's physical from the inside. It's not apparent from the. That's vision. what I mean. It's not yeah. obvious. Invisible. There's the word. It's yeah. an invisible yeah, illness. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So and especially like, when you're young, you don't. Yeah. You can't compute the I also don't necessarily remember. Now, I also, because of some of the meds I'm on, have super vivid dreams now. Yep. But, like, everyone has the dream where, like, you're slow-mo running, you can't run faster. Yep. Or you're, like, trying to catch your breath running from the murderer Ooh, and you okay, can't. Okay, here's one for you. Did like, you ever had the dream where you're underwater? And, like, you can't, and like. You, you can't, you're not breathing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like your house fills up. Has anyone had the house fills up with water? Your oh, yeah. House is yeah. Full. Have you had that one? No. See, for me, I, very famous I was one. so it's excited about swimming for the first time because I was like, sweet, I'll be able to go underwater again and hold my breath like because I can breathe. First time like I went underwater swimming and like intentionally like went to dive to the bottom of the Just pool to pick drowning? up a toy, I came back up and freaked the fuck out. Oh, and no. I was like, oh, my God, I couldn't breathe. And they were like, you were under for 0.2 of a second. Like... <laughs> but it immediately threw me back to having 16% lung function, can't breathe that restrictive. So I was well, like, because <laughs> oh, everything tightens up, but that's the water yeah. pressure. But that, and that's, that's normal. That's the weight of the water. Like on your I lungs. took swimming lessons as yeah. a kid, and yeah. I did at the YMCA where you dive down the pole, touch the bottom, come back up, your ears pop. Like I did that with CF lungs. But it was weird because now I have a comparison. You got to exhale mm-hmm. on the way. So out. I, like, my opinion is like being in rejection was worse for me. 
mm-hmm. than being CF lungs. Yeah. Because I didn't know any different with CF lungs, whereas rejection, I got back down to like under 30% function. And especially after having, I knew what a 91% function was like. like. Well, not only that, like you mentioned, you're mentioning, and I'm just kind of processing here, mm-hmm. like 30% function. And like I said, I went into the hospital to do my emphysema mm-hmm. test. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure I peeked at the computer yep. when they blew some, they give you that puff of air and yep. you have to inhale it. Okay, yeah. I'm pretty sure I was at 97%. Oh, you can have like asthma or emphysema and still have like and full have, lung function. Yeah, and I have You just have asthma. issues. Yeah, exactly. Re- so, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, I so I my lung function right now puffer. is like 110%. Okay. Because they calculate those numbers based on the average data for somebody your age, weight, height, sex, race, etc. Because the first time I got a percentage that was over 100, I'm like, how the fuck do you get over 100? So there's other people saying, I'm over 100. I'm like, how? That's why, because it's averages. And yeah, so I'm like, that'd be cool. And now, like, when I do my test at home, I'm over 100%. Well, I'm just doing, like, the math in my head. And I'm like, I... So that, if you translate that, it's almost, like, three and a half, four liters of volume capacity. And and I feel sometimes at night, like, I can't breathe. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm laying on my couch, and I will literally be like... (gasps) Oh, yeah. And And that'd be the difference of, like, it's It's mental. mental. And it's also, like, if your airways are inflamed, so if you have allergies even they narrow and get itchy and scratchy and stuff. You still have 70, 80% function, Mm -hmm. but you are restricted on like the exhale. Yeah. So you might only have a restriction of like 50% on exhale in that moment. But the feeling so of it that changes. is oh. overwhelming. Oh, yeah. Like, Any reduction in it. I is, can't yeah. like emphasize how much like... <laughs> Your emphysema. <laughs> yeah. Emph- emphasize my emphysema of how much it sent me into a... Mental I guess spiral. A panic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because immediately, it's, it's yeah. one of those things. Yep. Unlike blood work, unlike right. kidney function, and I didn't liver look function, you can sick feel with rejection. Whereas if you look at me like pre first transplant, like I was skin and bones, I was seventy pounds, I was sick yeah. looking, and then with rejection, I somewhat maintained weight. And then once I actually listed, I had a feed tube put in because I said but you had to maintain weight. I needed to for yeah. that fit. But for I trans- also said like. I enjoy food now and I don't want it to become a medicine again. So I would rather do an overnight feed of high calorie, high fat, whatever, and have it give me because I needed to eat like over 4,000 calories a day. Shadows to that. Right? Like, and I was like, I like food. I enjoy eating. I don't want it to become, because before the first transplant, like my dad would have an alarm go off every half hour, be like, put something in your mouth, cookie, <laughs> treat, something right, yeah. like anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he had rules, <laughs> but no, it was, you had to eat and it was a medicine for me. Like I, I'd grab an apple and they'd be like, are you going to put peanut butter on that? Like cucumber, celery, non-existent in my diet. Yeah. It was not worth eat. Like it was, you know. Have you ever have you ever had to walk someone through this? Like, have you ever? Sorry. Walk through what? Have you ever had to you know, explain to someone else with CF what it's yeah? So you for? mentioned like mentors and yeah, stuff after yeah. surgery. Um, so Alex Pangman is a jazz singer with CF, and Shout she had had her transplant before me, mm-hmm. and because I got sick so fast and I listed so fast and got lung so fast, mm-hmm. we didn't really match up and connect until after my surgery. Right. But she connected with my parents while I was recovering and they benefited a lot from talking to her. She's older than I am too right. by um, at least, I want to say 10, 15 
years. So would you, have you ever done that for someone else? So yeah, now I have said to like my CF clinic before of like, if there's people that are debating listing or they want the experience or whatever, A, send them to my Facebook page if they don't want to reach out to someone because uh, everything is there. Right. They can read as much as they yep. want or as okay. little. They can see normal life. They can see sick life. Quick, like, quick interjection. Yeah. What's the Facebook page? Oh, Alive With Every Breath. Alive With Every Breath. Continue. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It used to be Helping Tara Breathe Easy, which was That's my campaign slogan. That's what I was going to say. I was like, slogan. I thought it was different. It's like you were it doing it for Dan and now you've was, evolved. Yeah. So I was my first transplant. I wanted a new name that I could just go with. And I'm like, I don't want to become like helping Tara breathe easy part two, because I'm like, well, what if I need a third transplant? I got to change it again. So this also this became girl getting like, needy yeah, at this point. She it became three. my, like, I also could still talk about just life stuff. Life, life. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And how it relates back. Like, Oh, I had this regular day at work, but I, this related to my CF because X, Y, Z. Like, so you yeah. don't, you don't like to be defined by your, like yeah i say that and then honestly in the last year and a half like so basically with covid and all the therapy work i've done recently i realized that when i got the second set of lungs so i had been at that point um i had been engaged for a few years i had been done school i was ready to move on and live life and do the next step but everything was on pause until we got lungs Right. And by we, I mean my friends, my family, my fiance, like my whole life. Right. And then it was like, I got lungs and then we dove into, I found a job. I started working all the time. I, we were wedding planning. We were doing everything. Yeah. And then we had the wedding in January and COVID hit. And then I had this like, who am I outside of CF sick and CF? Yeah, and because yeah. I was told you have a clean bill of health, go have fun. Like, sorry, what? Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Like, wait a minute. I was just battling for yeah. breath. So yeah. That was My life revolved around, oh, I have to go to Toronto in two weeks. So I got to make sure I factor that in or I have X number of appointments this week without thinking. It was just second nature. Oh, yeah. And now I'm like, what do you mean I don't come back for a year? Like, what? I'm going to miss you. Like, yeah. so it was one of those things that in the year and a half between getting lungs and my wedding and then COVID, it was like, I can look back at it now and having done therapy and see myself spiraling yep. and making like throwing myself into being super busy all the time or uh, always working or always helping other people or because it like I see it now as like I didn't know who I was, what I wanted, what I was doing. I was just trying to live my normal life and it was well, you know. if I can keep busy like so I nannied while I was waiting for lungs and I have my I call them my little girls my 20s that were three weeks old when I started helping out with them I would hold one baby the mom had another I could hold a three-week-old baby while I still needed a transplant and I helped out with this family who surprisingly had twins and like I threw myself into that and then I got lungs and I was able to help out and do more. And then I got my jar- job with RBC and I was working full-time hours. I'd never worked full-time in my life. Right, mm-hmm. right. This is all new And most people would have had a job at that point where you would have worked a nine to five. Isn't it crazy, I though, that like, you wanted some sort of normalcy? I w- it's all I wanted and then I got it. And I, Whereas most without realizing age, in the moment, didn't know how to handle it. But, like, most people your age oh, in absolutely. situation would like, be, like, shy away from all mm-hmm. that. Be like, yo, a day job? Count mm-hmm. me the fuck out. Yeah. Like, and I'd be at home going, I wish I could go to work today. Like, yeah. Yeah. And now I'm like, why? I find, that's, <laughs> I find that such an interesting uh, yeah. dynamic yeah. is, like, 
you told it's us. It's so true about grass come, is greener. Yeah, like, you couldn't come to the podcast till you'd done your shift. I'm like, wait, well, why yeah. the fuck are you even working a well, yeah. job, for mm-hmm. lack of better terms? Why, like, a lot of people have said, like, you're still your working situation. during COVID? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, because if I sat at home, you so when COVID started, I was off work March through to August yeah, because so they didn't know through, enough. Uh, take us through that. Yeah. yeah so at that point, they initially. They sent you home first. Um, actually, I kind of somehow sent myself. I got in a car accident on my lunch I break. I do remember that. Actually. So this yeah. literally was a Friday the 13th in March. I got in a car accident yeah. um, on my lunch break. I was picking up pizza and tim's and i was bringing it back my friend uh jill had just gotten a promotion at work it's like i was Shout just like jill yeah she's still with rbc but it was just one of those and old guy in sarnia ran a red hit me and i'm still dealing with this but um uh, it was march 13th a friday and i'm like great friday the 13th whatever yeah and that following monday the province started to go into lockdown correct and two, at that yeah. point i had showed up for my shift on the 13th and my coworkers were all like what are you doing here now i had just gotten back from my honeymoon i was on a cruise when we left for our honeymoon which was the petri dish of covid <laughs> when we left on our honeymoon yeah. covid was in china yeah and let's when also, we got back it was in canada let's like, also reiterate yeah. is you have a chronic long, long yeah, yeah. issue and there was basically other cruise ships were being stranded while i was on mine and like my poor mother and everyone else who knew oh, me but yeah. my mom is the big worrier uh, even like, i even yeah. i thought of you during covid mm-hmm. and it was a Completely based yeah. on so. social media and mm-hmm. knowing what you've so been So we were through. back from our honeymoon March 2nd. And within two weeks, the world shut down. Like, but because of everything that you've lived through, or, or how you've gone on with, you know, was I, and, yeah. and transplant, you were doing the whole clean regime. Anyways. Exactly. But so, they didn't know enough about COVID to, to say. So they basically told all of our CF transplant, stay home. Stay home. Exactly. So we, Eric and I, we locked ourselves in the house. Right. We didn't leave our house other than like walking the dog, and he worked from home. He but like went into the office the other time, but like we didn't leave for four months. But this was this was normal for you, and then so see, yes, but no, it was normal when I was sick, and I'm like yeah. I am right. finally healthy, right. Right. and now I have to be locked in again. Great, my luck and the world sucks, and so that was when I say like I hit peak, like breakdown that was what triggered when i noticed that like my head was off so so that like actually, i i noticed that actually like peaked something because like mm-hmm. from the outside I sh- i'm good in, at staying home doing nothing i should know what i'm doing yeah but i've the, done it the last 10 years from the outside in it looked like covid was just another mm-hmm. speed bump in no. your life mm-hmm. like uh, just another issue but it was actually it was the bigger was, than what many i want to say it was the sp- Spark that gave me my aha moment of I need to do some therapy and take care of the mental side of me right. because for the last 10 years, the physical side of the illness was the priority. Right. Or I didn't realize that there was mental implications on top of it. Which was you kind of saying that like even in grade 12 or whatever, mm-hmm. you didn't realize. No. You're just like, whatever. I still wanted to go on the band trip to Boston. Exactly. Montreal was playing Boston in playoffs during the band trip and I was like, you bet I'm going to sneak out and go to a game. Like Ignorance is bliss. Yeah, exactly. At that point. And then it was like my parents are probably going like, how in the hell oh, do the you fuck? think you're going to go on this trip? Like, no, it's not happening. Yeah. I didn't end up going. But then again, but for your parents, it's probably the same situation as you. As Well, they're outside looking in. So it was easy for everybody around me to be like, you're yeah. sick. List for lungs. You're sick. Like, But for and you, then, it's like, I'm finally healthy. Let me go do shit. So then, yeah, with yeah. COVID, I'm going, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm... 
So I finally wanted to get out and I had finally, I had a job. Like I felt like I was finally normal. Yeah. Normal, quote unquote, like quote, no one's quote, normal. Yeah, Notice quote, unquote, how quote. she's excited about a, a day job, jo- a day and job and which day most job. people would yeah. complain about. Oh, trust me. Now that I'm like three years into it, I'm like, oh, it's Monday tomorrow. <laughs> and then I'm going, remember when I was like, I wish it was I, a Monday. Uh, life comes like, at you. Yeah. Remember when, when I wish I, I hate this. I wish shit. I could work a like a day job. I oh, yeah. take that back. But yeah. <laughs> remember when I said all those things <laughs> again it, for everything in life like that has been my biggest. But the biggest lesson I took in. All of the therapy work I've done, and I have worked with like three different therapists, social workers. When did you start? Uh, like mm, March of last year, literally okay. COVID okay, is yeah, when yeah. I started doing so we're therapy. Brain, like I mean, brain therapy. Yeah, like I mean, I sat with the social worker virtually right. from CF Clinic. I have a local therapist at like Southwest Clinic in Point Edward that I'm still with. CF mm-hmm. Clinic now is that based? That out was of a social worker. That's Toronto. Okay. So that was for specific, like, she's trained to deal with CF-related and, like, your, like, economic. So, like, here's how to deal with Ontario disability and here's how to approach your boss if you need accommodation. Like, that's their specialty. I also worked with somebody locally at the Blue Water Hospital on just general health function, mental health. Here's good coping skills because, you know, I did what I had to do to get through with CF and it worked. But that I like when COVID hit, that was when I had my realization of oh, like this is not working. And it took a good, I'd say, at least six to eight months before I felt like, OK, I got my feet back on the ground again. See, that's the beauty about a pause. And like people overlook like how important that is. So I look at COVID now as like it's awful that it happened and how it happened and what ended up happening. But I look back on it now and I go. I'm glad it happened because I wasn't working. I was able to go to therapy two or three days a week. Mm -hmm. I was able to have more sessions, do more reflecting, do more homework, do more learning about myself and figure out who is Tara discovery outside of CF clinic, outside of transplant, outside Mm -hmm. of having that, like needing that to be my label outside of, you know, I'm the daughter of like Tom and Nancy. I'm their Mm -hmm. sister. I'm CF out of being Eric's partner out of being, Mm -hmm. Because so my partner, Eric, like we met when I was in grade 12. So we met December, no, no, end of November, um, working at Walmart. We were both cashiers there. I was a seasonal hire and I met him there. Was that just before all the fun began? So our second date, I had to tell him I was going (laughs) in the hospital. But I was like, it's no big deal. Like it's a tune up. It happens to all CF people. And I've never done one. I'm just checking in. And his response was, oh yeah, I have cousins with diabetes. So like, I know like there's illnesses out there. And I like, I laughed because I'm like, that's not the same. But now looking back. I got a a cousin with a cold. Yeah. But now looking back, I'm like, that was him saying like, I get it. People have illnesses, but there's still people like, so that was him related. Yeah. Yeah. So he has been through all of it with me. Yeah. Mm. And throughout all of it, like I, if you go through like my Facebook page and stuff, People know I've been with him this whole time, but I don't share a lot about him or his perspective or like our life together as like a couple even because I tried to like leave him separate out of it because A, he's much more introverted than I am (laughs) and B, like his aspect and him looking in on it. Like it's like I don't try to say how my parents went through this journey or how my sisters went through it. Okay, okay. So like I always get the question like how did your spouse do this? Right. And I'm like, well, he decided he was going to do it and I can't speak for him. And Mm -hmm. I always joked. I'm like, well, this idiot (laughs) stuck through not one but two transplants. Like you're stuck with me now, bro. Um, 
You're and just fucking moron. Like, <laughs> like, I joke about it in my speeches. I'm like, this dummy proposed while we were waiting for lungs. Mm. But I also said, you know, the first transplant, I gave him the out of like, I've only known you a few months. Just say, yeah. So we yeah. had been dating a year, January 11th, and I was transplanted February 1st. So within a year of dating, most of our dates and most of our time together, I was in a hospital either an hour or three and a half hours away. Right. But that was our first year. And that was our norm. Like, we made it work. And when I was home, he'd come over and he would be there helping me with my treatments. He'd be carrying me up the stairs with the oxygen tank in tow. Like, you know. Um, and so we have gone through both transplants together. Mm -hmm. um, and then COVID hit. And... You know, there's obviously other factors in relationships and stuff, but we took the last year and a bit um, apart, actually, mm -hmm. which I haven't been very public about. Okay. Um, but I did put it on my Facebook page just saying, yeah. you know, I'm living separate and we are taking care of ourselves. And, like, did you feel that, like, you know, your, I guess, revelation to this life with the, I don't want to say, your new long revelation, right? You yeah. Know, lifestyle now. New um, long lifestyle. New, new Ooh, long now say lifestyle. That yeah. The NLL, baby. <laughs> Did that, so that contributed to, you know, some of the discovery. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, is that some of the stuff that, you know, you had to work with in terms of, you know, within your relationship? Yeah. Oh, we're still working. Okay. So it's an ongoing yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, okay. But it's learning even like, so <clears throat> the, the best thing that my therapist ever said to me was, right. Your lens on life, the way you interpret things and everything is based on your personal experiences. Absolutely, 100%. So at the beginning of all of this COVID and of us saying, like, we need to separate, there were other factors that, you know, we don't need to get into details okay. on and stuff. But it was, if you were diagnosed with a new condition tomorrow, this is my therapist talking to me. Okay. She goes, you would already have two lists going. You'd be packing your stuff for the test. You'd know what you were doing. You'd know what doctors to call, how to do that. No questions asked. If your best friend was diagnosed with something tomorrow, their life would fall apart. Yeah. Now, flip that around. Based, this is based on your life experience because yeah. your life has always had coordinating medical stuff. Mm -hmm. You know how to handle process information. Now, flip it around. Your, your best friend, her boyfriend breaks up with her or they separate or they take time apart or the classic Ross, Ra Rachel, we're on a break. Like, you know, <laughs> um, it, oh, they can cope and move on and it sucks but they're they're fine you on the other hand now have no idea of how to process this because eric was the only serious relationship i'd been in uh, for only person i dated right same for him right so it was like my whole world crashed when i finally got the one thing we needed was good health mm -hmm. right but now i say this now a year and a bit into it yeah almost a year and a half yeah um, you know, had you asked me to do this interview at this time last year, I would have said, hell no, because I would have been in tears all day or I would have My randomly burst out. My life in shambles. Yeah. It was, but yeah. it was honestly like, I, and again, like it's a multi-level thing and it's health, it's relationship stuff, but we never had conversations about like, so people are always like, I had friends ask me like, oh, like how did you and Eric decide to live together? Like, how did you have that conversation? Because I think I'm ready to get to that point. And I'm like, I, like, I remember being like, 
how did I move it? And it was, it just it What do they mean? Happened. How did you move it? You well, like, they're talking about, like, how did you guys decide, like, what part of your relationship did you exchange keys? It's when did you decide to live together instead of living at your parents' place? Like, that kind of thing. They're relating like to me mm-hmm, because I was that much further ahead in the relationship. So oh. we'd been together five, six years or whatever. They're like, experience, tell me. It was natural. And I'm like, assumed. oh, well, for Eric and I, it was, I went away to school. I got sick and rejected. And I was told I had to move home for support from family if I needed to list for a transplant again right away. So I moved home. Uh, And it like you take anyone who's 20 and is like has forced to move back in with their parents. And I'm like, I can't stand all your rules and all this stuff. And I I just started staying at Eric's. And then I all my stuff followed me there. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't like a monumental thing. It wasn't a big move. Yeah. Whereas some of my other friends are like, you know, now they're they're saying they're like, so they're 25, 26 and this is their first like serious say long term. And they're like, how did you guys decide that you were going (laughs) to live at one or, and I'm like, it's almost like, did he propose for you to move in together? But it was one of those where I had to think about it. I'm like, oh no, we just did it. Like, but a lot of, we never had conversations over like, how do you share, like who pays the bills? Who does what? That was his role. Yeah. Because I was sick. And oh, it's and it's heavy okay, for him okay, too because saying, it's yeah. like we've talked about mm-hmm. the person who <laughs> injured you. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Th- it's it's Zach. almost the yeah, same yeah. kind of weight. It's like you're just kind of brought into that world yeah. where all of a sudden you're a part of that world and, and you're you a spectator. Be like you're a spectator. He can't do it. it. Your mom couldn't do anything to help you in recovery. Yeah. They're th- I, like they're there for you. They help in their own way. But you're same also with my being family. Judged. My family. Oh yeah. Yeah, you're a spectator, but you're. I being know so many people are always response. like he's friends with the guy that hurt him, and I'm like, yeah, they're like best friends. He was at his wedding. Like yeah. I saw him this past week. I got like exactly. Yeah. Past like. Weekend. You know. I just, yeah, 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 exactly. But Dan, like, I just I'm sure heard there's on some podcast. people that would hold a grudge, but like, oh, you know, there's pictures right behind Dan. Yeah. Yeah, it would be there. cool to have him speak about his like side of things, it, but I don't know how outgoing oh, about Zach, it he is. No, yeah. Zach, Zach's told me different stuff about how like shout you know, out Zach by the way. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's an awesome human being, and um, he's t- oh yeah. He's From what I know about him, like I've always he's a nice guy. He's great. Like he's not like he's some like awful human that like ran at you and purposely hurt you. Like no, <laughs> you like, know what I mean? Like it's not it's not on him. No, nope. the thing is, this ain't on him. And but, me and getting like, sick is not on my parents, but right. I'm sure they felt guilt over, could we have done something else? Could we have forced more meds, more treatments? Could we have found a new doctor to have prevented or prolonged her health? Now, I know of that feeling could that we have other not? people that were there that night, I felt, yeah. they had that. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, like, that is something that everybody in my life would have had, or they feel useless. What yeah. can I do to help while you are sitting waiting for lung? Well, mm. I, and I would say, like, well, just come hang out. But then I'd fall asleep. <laughs> or I'd say, like, you know, feed just, me. Just be in the <laughs> feed me. The thing. So but then I would have no appetite. Like, you know, like. People think that, like, you know, it comes to someone who's, you know, sick or an illness. They think they got to come in and say the right things and yeah. do the right thing. Sometimes it's just sitting there watching you a movie with to, me. You just mm-hmm. have to be in mm-hmm. the room. Just be yep. in the room. Yeah. Or people feel they can't complain to me about oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. anything medical or anything bad. Like They're like, oh, I sprained my wrist. I and then they're like, but I know what you've been through. And I'm like, like no, don't do that. No, I yeah. bitch about my legs so much today. <laughs> I'm like to the point where I'm like, I should probably stop. But no, but that's but the thing. That's the like thi- everything is no in perspective. That's stop. your life. Like yeah. The biggest issue in your life is still the biggest issue in your life, whether it's the biggest issue to Dan or Dan or me or anybody else. People don't understand grace. Like what's on your plate mm-hmm. is on your plate. Mm-hmm. The size of your plate is based off your yep. human experience. Yep. 
And I also, mean, not everybody can have empathy and sit and go, you complain about your leg, and Dan can sit there and be like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Now, not every person in a wheelchair like Dan is going to be able to sit there and go, and you part of that, I think, yeah, and then, me be be like, and then they're going to sit there and go like, dude, I can't even feel my legs or walk or do anything. Why would you bring that up? And then I but push that's them also How? <laughs> But that's showing that you have done work on yourself and work, you have absolutely. empathy and you have faced your struggle mm -hmm. face on and it is what it is. You haven't let it. So the biggest thing I've also learned in the last year, too, was that perspective thing of I only knew what I knew. And so when it came down to having to pay bills and work and like everything blew up and I was I'm like, yeah. oh, this is hard. Like and I couldn't handle it. Yeah. But I could. It's just I didn't know how to yet. Yeah, and right. everybody else learned how to do that when they got their first job back at mm -hmm. 18, 19, 20. Yeah. And I am I was 25 when I got lungs, so 26-ish when I started working full-time. And like, yeah. yeah, like it was weird for me when I first started driving. Like everyone had their license and stuff like that. Mm. I had to buy. Here's the thing. It's though. weird when I, people You had to get a vehicle. I had to buy a vehicle first, uh, yeah. then get a license. Yeah. Yeah, you I had, had to, to buy a. I had to buy my. I still remember like the first time I saw you like driving around yeah. town, and I'm like, "How the hell is he yeah. driving?" Like, don't wave to first. Dan. By the way, if you see him but driving, I can't, yeah, I can't wave to you. Oh, I can't do, not, you. do not wave to Dan. He's the most rude driving. driver. No. Yeah, I can't. he will yeah. not wave back to you. But like, you know, that's one of the things that you mentioned too, and it actually it correlates to driving. Is that, um, you know, as we got as we get older and as we see this, is that you know when it comes to the lenses. And one of the things, you know, he said that, you know, Dan, you know, could complain about his chair. And then some people in wheelchairs were like, you know, man, like, why the hell would you bring that up? The thing <coughs> is, is that, you know, when when it comes to this life, like things like frustration, grief, pain, illness, sadness, happiness, all joy, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. I picture all these things are in a car. And sometimes one of those things is the one driving. Yep. But thing is, is like fear, doubt. Like a clown car. Absolutely. Yeah. Just like a clown car. <laughs> Fear doesn't have to be <laughs> the one. A clown of emotion. Yeah. Exactly. 100%. Fear that could be somebody's biggest fear. Yeah. yeah. It, fear doesn't have to be the one driving every single time. No. Yeah. It doesn't. The grief, pity, mm -hmm. um, resentment, those things yeah. don't oh, have to be Oh, resentment. Love it. That's my driving. latest therapy trigger word. Oh, I love it. But, and it's, oh, I, I realized I had I so much resentment that I didn't realize I had at the moment. Okay. And that's what drove me while waiting for lungs of like, I'm jealous of my friends. They get to go out, do this, whatever. Okay, now yeah, I'm yeah. realizing it was resentment and that, like because I've had family and friends say to me you seem less angry now and I'm like I was an angry person I was always told I was positive like so but it's the re like learning and facing those emotions mm -hmm. and dealing with them that's a whole other level of and that's the thing yeah. though is that like when you come face to face with that Mm -hmm. You know, when did you feel like that revelation like occurred? Like, when did you feel that like you started realizing that like, you know, resentment was the thing that was driving for a while, or at least if you weren't aware that it was in the car, like well, when resentment yeah. literally uh, within the last year and a half. Really, that's crazy to think yeah. that you've been through such a wow. it, it was up and down. I always journey. used to say I was stubborn. Yeah, you've and been opinionated. Oh. You've been through such an up and down and journey I was that people see from the outside mm -hmm. that are like, "Oh, she's got this shit mm -hmm. under wraps. Yeah. Like she's got it unlocked." I was stubborn. I w I pushed for doctors. I asked the questions. I kept the notes. I would say, you know, if it was a new doctor in, I'd be like, "So last clinic X Y Z happened," and they'd say, "No, that's not the results." And I go, "Yes, it is. I wrote it down. Check the files." And they'd check and they go, "Oh." Do yeah. you think that was motivated by like, like survival? That was too. That, was that primal? survival? It was, you know, especially when I was all my friends are first year university at parties and hanging out, and I'm sitting in a hospital bed. That was me. 
Right? Dan tells stories about going out getting drunk and coming back to the hospital drunk. Get that point because I was waiting for lungs. Like, and then I went into rejection. So I got to go back to school for all of one and a half semesters before I. So you got a taste, and then it was taken away. I got a taste. Did your rejection happen right away? So I went away to school the first time for a month or something like that. Yeah, twenty-two. Yeah. So I went away for a month the first time, and then went to my first adult clinic. Was told you need lungs. Done. Went back to school, finished a first semester, and got to... So I started back in January. It was in end of November, beginning of December. I was told I was in rejection. So 10 months, give or take. Back at school of like wow. living that normal life because you're also recovering. So it, I didn't go back to school So right it's not away. actually the 22 months. No, no, no. It's no. only 10. Yeah. But then you have that to deal with That was the normal life because 12. the first year you're still doing routine doctor stuff and recovery. That's crazy. And, yeah. and so would you say now, like you said before... If ha- if I had reached out, or if Dan and I had reached out a year ago this time, mm. you wouldn't have been ready for this. Mm-hmm. Would you say now? Like, where would you say you are now? You mentioned resentment, but mm-hmm. where would you say, if you want to add to that, where would you say you are now with your? Um, I guess I want to call it the discovery of Tara because you had mentioned yeah. that you know who mm-hmm. you were is mm-hmm. this person who's you know going to treatment. I gotta go. Uh, oh, do I gotta go to Toronto or do I got right. all my meds and this thing or that and that? Now it's not that anymore. Like it's so, where are you now with your discovery? Of so I Tara? had kind of like the feeling, <coughs> probably right before the new year, which ironic is a good fitting time for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, of, you know, I felt like I could close the chapter on being sick. Mm. And okay. I didn't have to have it kind of looming. Um, and I, d- I made the decision of I'm going to just try to live in the moment, yeah. not live as if so like up until like I realized before I was living my life to hit all those checklist moments, graduate school, go away to university, get engaged, get married, have kids, live get a job. Ocean. All those okay. stereotypical things everyone takes for granted that just happen in life. Yeah. I wanted to I was I was almost like I was in a race to get there you were before I died. And yeah. get them all quick, yeah, too, before that, I died. that year, yeah. you, you got a lot of those fast. Oh, we did boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay, okay. Which but a lot of people ironically try to avoid mm-hmm. in normal life. Mm-hmm. Like, they're like, wait, you say Whoa, I Whoa, you're going to get a job, and then we're going to wait. Like, yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. Um, okay. <clears throat> it was that, and now it's realizing I actually, like, it's funny, I got benefits through RBC yes. working now, uh, February. And get I went, benefits, I was like, uh, what? I have to have a retirement savings plan? Whereas before, I knew for a fact I was not going to live to a retirement age. <laughs> oh. Y'all don't know? Y'all so don't know why would I? Yeah, so exactly. it's almost like, it's cr- and tell me, you, you jump in and say no at any point. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if like your same mindset for your transplant regime is the same as your life regime like right after your transplant. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, got to make sure, oh, doc, you correct the doctor on this or say mm-hmm. this and that appointment and then it's like oh no i need to have this 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 and <coughs> you brought that same yep. did you bring that same oh absolutely my type a organized anal mm. however you want to approach okay. it that's me and my one doctor who has been my adult doctor through all of it adult she knows me out. dr shapiro she's the best mm-hmm. shout out who ironically was invited to my wedding and couldn't come because she caught the flu oh. <laughs> and i went i was sick for 10 friggin years and you have never been <laughs> sick but my pediatric doctor, who uh, I could just like imagine 18 years you almost, like being like, "Bitch, oh, you she, just got a flu. Come oh, to my and wedding." On the phone, like I said to her, "I'm like, but how <laughs> sick are you?" And I could tell how sick she was. I told her, "I'm like, I don't care. Throw a mask Come. on at the wedding. You're coming." Like I had a corsage made up for her, because I'm like, "You're coming. You have kept me alive for." Yeah. Um, right. But my pediatric doctor, 
Um, I'm friends with all of his kids because they all came to his practice after school and I would be there sometimes. So I know all his kids and he was at my wedding. Oh, that's awesome. I saw him. Yeah. I keep in touch with his kids and their families and like I know them. I've stayed like his, um, his ex-wife now, but she lived in Montreal. I've stayed at her house when I've gone to a Habs game. Like, they are family to me. My doctor is my family. Yeah. Shout out Those ex-wives. Those nurses, like, <laughs> ex-wives. I like but, yeah, so. Like, yeah, yeah. That's like Dan seems to stay in touch with everybody that's I do. Like, him. I just, mm-hmm. I message I wouldn't my, say uh, every doctor I've had or every nurse or whatever, but there are some who stand out. Absolutely. Exactly. And I keep in touch like with them. Like, my. Exactly. Or who went the extra mile with me. Which I'm sure they do with almost every patient, but I also. But you felt it. You felt it. I also reached out. Like, so Dr. Yeah. Shapiro, as my transplant and CF girl, she has a Helping Tara Breathe Easy shirt. I gifted to her. All right, I'm going to throw like, this. Uh, not Ben Shapiro. Uh, I'm, yeah, <laughs> Dr. Shapiro. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to throw this at you. So, uh, my uh, one of my OTs, he said something. What's to an me. OT? Occupational therapist. Thank you. He said something that was very profound to me when I was relearning how to bring food to my face <laughs> and use my hands. He's like, Dan, don't worry about how it gets there. The op- the objective is get food, you eat, <laughs> get food to your face. Is there something that someone, one of your therapists, doctors, nurses, whoever, have said something to you that have stuck out above, like, like one of the most profound things that have been said to you, like from a health. Like a one-liner Ooh. or something. Like a one-liner. Like, I have another one. You want me to throw another one at you? Do yeah. it. So, like, it. I had a really, really bad day, and I remember I didn't go down. I was wait- I was expected to be at physio at, I believe, like 2 o'clock, mm-hmm. and I didn't go. It was like 2.10, and my therapist, um, my physiotherapist, um, her name was Jen. She came out. Shout out Jen. Jen, yes. Not Jen. Um, <laughs> she came up, and she was in my room, and I was crying. And she had asked me, or she didn't say anything at first. She just realized I was crying. This was probably maybe, it was probably maybe six, seven weeks after my accident. Okay. And then she um, knelt down to me, and I just, I was bawling. I was heaving, and I was like, have you ever seen somebody do this? And I didn't give context because <laughs> she knew what I meant. <laughs> she knew exactly what I meant. Have you ever seen somebody cry because yeah. they not, can't? Not that. Not See, that. and it's funny, That's the thought that. that went through my head was what like, is it? cool, you could even cry and heave because... No, I said, have you ever seen somebody do this? She but what's what's this? Oh, this is mind. the physio and yeah. learn to walk again yes, and do things. Oh, yeah, that, I knew that. That's, that's yeah. what this oh, okay. is. Okay, okay. said, have you ever seen somebody do this? Mm-hmm. And she knew what I meant. Yep. Like successfully do Yeah, this. that's oh, what I meant. Okay. Like, have you yeah, seen yeah. somebody do this? I'm that's trying all to, I said. I'm trying to decipher your secret uh, hospital talk. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. here we go. And so well, after I yeah. said that, the only thing she said was, I know you can. Ooh, ooh that's good. And that one line stuck with you. That one line. See, and I don't And I never missed therapy after that. I was never late for therapy oh, after that, ever nice. again. It's no. funny because before this podcast, we were talking about how... Have like Even I've missed like um like a TMJ visit because mm. it's inconvenient to my mm-hmm. schedule and and like your health is something. Oh God, no! In my mind, that is like the biggest. Mm-mm. Oh no, no! That's on your no, no list. You like don't missing... skip an appointment. Yeah, I, I have we, canceled and rescheduled. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's when funny it how is your brain leans that way. But for me, no. Oh yeah, I'm like that's that is not, and that's my parents how they brought me up. It was like you miss whatever is happening. For your appointment, but it also was like if I ever said I was like not feeling well at school or whatever, like they'd be like, "Oh, do we need to go to clinic?" Oh, and I'd be like, "I'm going that. to school." Oh, I never played. Oh, okay. It. But okay, sometimes okay. I think I, I went to school. Uh, that's, uh, that no, but suspicious. I think I went to school when probably a day at home would have been 
better because I was like, I was afraid of like, I don't want to do antibiotics. So I'll just suffer through it. And like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But no, I don't think I have any, oh, anyone I, who's given me one line or one. I bet you it'll come to you when you're been, sleeping later. Well, and probably. Be like, oh, I'll shit. This it. person said this no, one thing. I have, like, for me, it's more of. Things I remember are like when I have been extremely upset about something and I've gotten a hug from someone. Oh. So it's been, I remember Shapiro coming All in right, the room and giving out. me a hug. Or, and actually in the video that CFC filmed, mm -hmm. they catch that. And that was an authentic moment of like I was crying because I had a friend with me at that appointment and I'm like, I just want to go to school like her. I just want my damn lungs at this point. And I broke down and I didn't mean for it. And I didn't even think he was filming at this point because we were having an actual clinic appointment. And she just hugged me and she's like, you did it once, you're going to do it again. Like, so it's not the quote that she did. It was her hugging me. Presence. Or yeah. it's just when you're having that dry heave, worst cry ever. Mm -hmm. And noises are coming out of you you didn't know were possible. And it's that person that just puts like a hand on your back or they give you that hug. Like I'm a big... Uh, like so, basically. Your um, love language is touch, isn't it? Yeah, that's okay. one. Of, yeah, that's, that's not a good love language during COVID. But no, it's not a it's good not. love language during yeah. COVID. Um, so <laughs> my well my uh, my man of honor at my wedding, Dave. Shout Booth. out man of honor, Dave Booth. Dave, how a boy. Dave gives the best hugs, hands oh, true, down. True, true, true. Okay. Dave is the person in my life that if I could just pick someone that like when you're having a bad day, you hit a button, you get a hug, and if like. Dave. Shadow Dave's hugs. See, that's, so that's, I met him when I went gotta, back to school. He's got to monetize this. <laughs> Hold second me tight, time. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> second time back to school, we lived in res together, and um, <clears throat> he became like my brother. Mm -hmm. And when I was between relisting and being sick again, he, he's from Etobicoke. So he's, I was going to clinic, and I'm like, hey, are you around? I'll stop in and say hi. He's like, well, why don't you stay at my parents' house? Like, we'll hang out. I've got a pool. We'll have a barbecue, whatever. And his mom was like, oh, like... You should stay here anytime you're in town. Don't pay for a hotel, whatever. But well, little did all of us know, I then started going to clinic like once a month because I listed. And so they adopted me into their family. Mm. But he was my, I had a man of honor at my wedding because he was my brother and he was there through seeing me healthy again and getting sick again and lungs and, but yeah, like, so again, I think of like, you know, the number of times I sobbed, whether it was in res or just at his place or he'd be away at school still in Guelph and I'd be driving home from an appointment in Toronto and I'd mm -hmm. say, I'm stopping in. I need a hug. When you say so. res, do you mean university res yeah. or hospital residence? I say, no, no. Okay. University I, res, I, well, yeah. I just saw Sorry, her yeah. trying Sorry. to give you a nod. So I didn't know if it was like, a, I oh, wasn't okay. in on the inside scoop. Come oh on. yeah. No, no, no. I was making sure but yeah, I so wasn't like, it's, it's, it's it. different things like that or like, <laughs> like it's moments, like little things like that. There, there's a photo of Eric and I after the second transplant that my mom just snapped a picture of me because <laughs> um, a friend of mine had gifted me lung plushies Yeah, and I was sitting in my hospital bed holding them out and I was like, I love them. They're so cute. And my mom was taking a picture of me holding them out. And in the photo, Eric's sitting on the end of the hospital bed, just looking at me. And he happens to be in the picture, but it wasn't of him. And it's like the look in his eyes in that photo is just like, that is someone who just stuck with me through eight years of hell and back and loves the crap out of me. You're talking so to... So that photo is my, like, so for me, it's more moments like You're that. You're talking that to I, a photographer who yeah. so you don't appreciates that kind of mm -hmm. stuff where, like, yeah. I'm like, 
what you would want yeah. from your wedding photos is what you don't even know was captured. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And that's like a perfect example and, of it. And I but don't it, mean it's to that photo. From... I look at it like even probably to this day still, and it will make me tear up that's because what... it's just like it, it captured everything we'd been through. And it was like finally that sigh of relief. You haven't heard it, but we actually just our last episode. We've talked about the power of photography and capturing mm-hmm. moments. Yeah. Storytelling. Mm-hmm. Versus and how okay. it's. Yep photography is not actually storytelling it's moment capturing Mm. whereas some photographers try to proclaim they're storytellers i'm like you can't tell somebody else's story no you're not but you're You're capturing you're capturing it it for them to interpret their story oh so it's interesting to see like Mm -hmm. how you interpret that and like that you said Mm -hmm. that without even hearing our podcast it's almost almost like you get to reveal like cat photos get to Mm -hmm. reveal they like, can capture things you never knew. Exactly, yeah. Never had an idea was happening. Like one of my biggest strengths, and, and it's weird. It's a weird strength is I can tell when people are you, hitting you on can. people, bro. And I can hey. tell oh. when people are like like somebody or something, and I can tell immediately. Like by man, their, anybody that's single needs to just like have you tag along with oh, them for a I while. Can, but my awareness for myself zero. I oh wanna, well, I, yeah, but you look at others. That's uh, your job. Uh, yeah. I want to jump back to Tara because I don't want to leave this. But like one thing that Dan does well when it comes to like photos and shit like that, right? Is that because I've been at a, I've been at least three weddings yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. at least three. 100%. At least three. And I'll be talking to him. We'll chop it up for a minute. But he's still on the clock, and he knows he's on the clock. So let's say I'm at a table and I'm talking to him. He sees someone from the other side of the table having a moment mm, and he snaps he will it. literally just stop oh, and yeah. just blah 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 and not only that he'll do it f- i've seen him do this too is where he's talking to me he sees like a little girl or a little boy like at, hitting the dance floor mm-hmm. he he won't even say be right back he, he just, just leaves yep. he just straight oh, up some yeah. of my favorite photos like, are me snap, dancing snap, with snap, my snap. niece at my wedding and yeah. same thing it's just like it was quick but the thing little, is, is yep. he's looking right at me but he's still, and, it, and, yeah. it, and it's, it's, and like, he, it's he like, captures beep. it in a periphery. He's like, mm-hmm. he just walks away. He just and that's why some photographers are gifted. I said, like, that, that's, you are in that's the right job That's what people are paying for, for when it comes to him. Yep. You're not paying for, like, beauty photos. He's, it, you're paying for the moments. <clears throat> yeah. Because I feel like at the end of the day, anybody, not, I say anybody, but, like, you can get your hair, makeup done, and look good, and get a good portrait photo done. Oh, 100%. You can get that. But it's, it's like, when, and the photographer I had for my wedding was someone uh, like a friend's cousin that I had known, and oh, I asked him. Oh, you fucked up. You should have got me. I know. Yeah, you're pricey, man. I was broke. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Uh, you putting a price on those moments. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Nah. You love moments so no, much. No, but <laughs> I had said to you him. Love moments. You gotta pay. Up. Yeah. At an event that I was at, and he took photos of me speaking, and it was the first time that I saw photos of myself. Ta- and I said to him, "You're gonna do my wedding one day." Yep. And and he no longer does wedding photography, mm-hmm. and I still phoned him up, and because he's. Friends, cause, and I'm like, that's so dope. I still had contact, and I'm that, like, that's dope. So I have a wedding date, and he goes, I've always had you penciled in. When is it? Like, and he was our wedding photographer. Oh, that's so. awesome. Yeah. That's dope. Yep. As long as you were comfortable, that's but, my yeah. big thing for weddings as a right. photographer. Is and he ha- he did them previously, and he just wasn't doing that with his way. life anymore. Yeah. So I just like to tell people, so, yeah. I fucked up by not getting <laughs> the decision. I do love all of your. The decision to go 
like I said, the dis- um, you know, discovery of Tara. Mm-hmm. The decision. I like that, the discovery of Tara, because yeah. I feel like I can hear David Attenborough saying it. The, the dis- discovery. Yeah, I'm not. The as, we dis- as, we, as we discovered by my accents earlier, I don't, don't want to <laughs> offensively we'll devolve into smooth. an ancient um, I'll Chinese just, man. I'll just say it. It's okay. I'm not gonna say it with an accent. I'm just gonna say the discovery. <laughs> the discovery of Tara. But I think by what you've told us in. The way you've described your story is mm-hmm. you didn't discover yourself really till the mm-hmm. second, midway through the first. Transfer. After the I mean second. After, after the second. Mm-hmm. After, after the, the second. second. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I was think trying I, to be safe with my words yeah, there. But, I think uh, I, I, I knew who I was and I knew what my role was and I knew how to get through things. Know your role. But I think I've evolved. Thrown out the Pokemon. How <laughs> how have you evolved into a Raichu? Have you appreciated this evolution? Uh, so much so now. Yeah. Now again, this time last year, no. I was said my life is ending. I'm not going forward. I can't do this. Like, wh- how am I supposed to get up every day, do anything? Can you look back on this but last I, year? Yeah. And, and I'm almost like I say I'm thankful for it. Yeah. There are things that I I wish I like how you to cope better. I'd done differently decisions I hadn't made, like things like that. That's mm-hmm. But easy, the overall like, is yeah, yeah. it's almost as though this needed to happen for me to separate myself from like the two chapters of like I was healthy and then I got super sick and I was sick for 10 years and that was all that I was Mm -hmm. and I knew who I was in that but now I'm I have what I thought I always wanted of normal and health again and I didn't know who I was I didn't know what my worth was I didn't I found my worth in like helping others Mm. so then when suddenly I had to do shit for myself that Mm. I didn't realize were was things I needed to do I was like, well, you know, I don't feel like I have anywhere. Or I, I suddenly realized I felt like I was a burden in my relationships with people. I felt like previously I had been. So I'm like, why are you still here? Why are you still around? Why are you my friend? Like, you know, so I, then it was almost like I sort of self-destructed mm-hmm. um, or second-guessed everything about myself. Yeah. Well, even as you talk, like you, you were kind of like alluding to all your personality connections were to CF. Hmm? Yeah, oh, that's that was my identity. That was your identity. Come Without realizing, 18 yeah. years old, that's what you start to 18 connect with. through to, I just turned 28, so it's, yeah. So last 10 years, mm-hmm. 8 years, 9 years, whatever it is, do you find, like, how did, and now this might be a little different than what you've been asked before, how did CF make you step outside of your comfort zone? Shout out to our podcast name. Mm-hmm. Um, but like outside of the medical sphere, because, of it, it, mm. and, and I, don't, I don't mean to demean it or no, dilute yeah, yeah. it, but, but, what but did it's, I take? it's obvious what it's done to you medically and mm-hmm. how it's made you step outside your comfort yeah. zone. Um, just through the viral video that I originally kind of connected with you right, over yeah. as I saw that. Yeah, because like, you oh, and I didn't really know each other. Yeah. Well, like, like we said, we knew each other social media wise and that was it. We yeah. met for the first time in person tonight. Today, and it yeah, felt yeah. like we were old friends. But like, how did that affect you outside of the medical sphere? Because I mean, yeah. obviously a lot of your interviews <coughs> and a lot of your questions have been medical related. Mm-hmm. But you've also been kind of thrusted into a position where now, based on your viral video, you're almost in a mentor position without meaning to be. Right, yeah. Um, Like, do you find there's been a direct correlation to any changes in your life non-medically that have been caused by CF? Like, 
whether it be socialization, whether it be the need to be a leader in the sense of like, if I got thrusted into a position where I'm a leader, I wouldn't know what to do because... And most people also looking at me if they didn't know I had CF or whatever, say, well, you're the oldest sibling, so you're obviously a leader. And especially at this point in time, too, like, I mean, for lack of better terms, you don't have a visually apparent... Illness. Illness. Oh, yeah. Right. Whereas Dan, he can roll in and be like, this is what it is. (laughs) Here's my my position on things. Right. Mm -hmm. Where you don't have that apparent... Yeah. Um, disability, whatever you want to see, because this it. this defuses people. The fact the fact that they see it, that's a great word. <laughs> oh, they when I drop the bomb that I've had two double lung transplants, because yes. it comes up in yeah. conversation, I'll just be saying something. I'll be like, "Well, when I have my transplant, blah blah,", blah. and then people go, "Hold wait, up, hold wait up, wait a minute, yeah, you had a, a what? Like, let's rewind." And I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I know what you mean. Yeah. So like, do you find it's like made you evolve as a person in a way outside of? Because I mean, so much is focused on the illness and it's like I want to get beyond the illness mm-hmm. in the sense that like I feel like and I've said this to Dan too about running a business is no one gives Dan mm-hmm. enough props on running his business side of things. Oh yeah. So similar in a, your podcast where you talked about your comfort zone doing your speeches, you chose a song mm-hmm. that you made yourself uncomfortable. Oh with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I absolutely hated doing speeches in school. Yeah, Would okay. have never ever ever said, yeah, one day someone's going to be paying me to talk to an auditorium full of people. One day I'm going to have over a million views on Upworthy.com. So, and I remember I was asked to speak at Western's orientation through Shinerama. And I'm thinking, I had done a few speeches at this point. And, uh, you know, it, it was like a couple hundred people. You know. Okay, so I'm speaking to the Frosh leaders at Western. Mm-hmm. I filmed a video that was going to be played for the actual Frosh. But and Frosh I, is like half the people are wasted as it is. Well, yes. But that is, and that, but I also went to Guelph, small school. Western, friggin' ginormous comparison, okay, population okay. wise. Yeah. I was wondering so, why you were comparing that. Yeah, so I show up to this speech expecting a couple hundred people in the audience. I'm speaking after the person from the Terry Fox Foundation. Oh, God, you're in deep. <laughs> and there is like eight to 10,000 people. This is Western Frosh or? The leaders. Well, Western. 10,000 okay, leaders? And I was just like, a, a faculty and at, like people that are there. And I'm going, Bro, it's 2021. Everybody's a leader. Gotta be kidding me. <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, I'm expecting maybe 100 people tops. And I was like, you like, I can't get up there. Your first time speaking. It was, was my first, but it was my that was my first big. Right, right. And I was like, oh, otherwise we'll, it we'll was call too. call your first for. Yeah, that for was my first like legit speech. I would say, where it wasn't a classroom of thirty people, exactly. sort of thing. Yeah, I yeah. wouldn't be ready for that. I was not, and I had no <laughs> choice because I sat down, and then saw the audience, and went, oh, okay. So yeah, it was, and it, in that moment, it was. I can't do that. I'm not doing it. I'm so just going to, I'll let them click through my photos and done. Do you think it's it. made you more of an outwardly person? Yeah. Out- it's made me more outgoing. It's made outgoing me have person? a bit more. I've always, my mom says I started talking. I never shut up. So yep. that I talk, but it is, I, when I give my speeches, I find the best compliment I've ever been given 
is not like you're so inspirational you're so ins this like i hate those those make me awkward i don't know how to respond i think we've talked he, about and that he brought it like i where we were like i was cleaning listening to, to that podcast that? Yeah. and when that came up i'm like yes yeah. like but Even I the get best compliment i've got from like what the fuck yeah, are you talking yeah. about <laughs> was from another speaker who had done ted talks before drew dudley mm. and he Shit came up drew. to me and he was speaking after me and he said I have never met someone that is not a professional speaker who delivered a speech like you just did. I felt like you were talking directly to me for that entire hour. There you go. That's the juice. And that was amazing. He's like, I haven't, I, I speak for a living and I have to speak after you and I'm nervous now. Yeah. And I was like, what? That's like, that's, honestly, that's a dope feeling. Yeah. So I when someone once. says, yeah. And I when people once. say it, you can, it, the ability for me to have a conversation with a room full of 200 people or feel like I'm having a conversation or one-on-one -on -one chat in a, in a post. Um, like locally at the bookkeeper, Susan keeps bugging me to Shout write a book. Susan. And I'm going, I don't know how to write a book. No one wants to read about my life, my story. It's boring, blah. She's going, no, but it's the way that you talk and you already have it written. You wrote a blog. Yep. Pull it together. And I'm going, you say this like it's easy. She's a publisher. But like th th when that happens in saying, so I feel like, I, I have zero training in like English or writing or languages or anything. I never right. took any schooling in, in that. Don't need it. No, but I feel like because of CF, so as a young kid in hospital settings, I had to talk to adults all the time. So I have never shied away from having a conversation with somebody like older than me who like, you know, you may be intimidated by age wise. So or this kind of correlates to being... Um like we mentioned earlier, for lack of better terms, raised in the hospital mm -hmm. setting, yep. where like and we'll even say my parents having like friends over, and on. Yep. Yep. And parents having friends over as a kid, like we have a lot of family friends in town that I all consider second, third parents, whatever. Yep. And same thing, they'd come over and they'd talk to me just like you're your same normal average person in the middle of doing treatments and stuff, but also learning like the lingo of things and realizing like, you know, we always called it, like you said, your medication, like you knew the brand name. I don't know the brand name of shit. Like yeah. I know all the medical terms. So whenever somebody's like, oh, I'm on an antibiotic, I'm like, ooh, which one? Are you on ciprofloxacin? Is it amoxicillin? Is it this? Oh, is it in like the mm. methyl family? And they're all like, whoa, whoa. Good stuff like, right there. They're like, why are you like, you don't? And I'm like, oh, I was just wondering like to compare. But like the medical term, so like I do, like I, I enjoy it, but it came naturally to me. So then I didn't shy away from talking and expressing. So I think it has led to me kind of embracing my story and accepting who I am. I wouldn't say like that I, you know, I absolutely love every part about my body or myself. I still have self-image issues because this, like, me today is with 50 pounds on. Well, uh, so, like, that's you, new to me. Y even you but speaking earlier, you were like, I was trying to put on weight. Mm -hmm. well, oh, that, and that's a whole different world. All yeah. of your peers I'm the only female weight. you will ever meet that is like, guys, guess what I weighed in at today? Exactly. I'm friggin', like, the first time, like, uh, it was a month ago or so, I weigh, so I weigh myself first thing in the morning because that is when you weigh the least. And... I want that to be my highest number. Like, so you've slept, like it's gone. So I was like, I'm 130 pounds officially. We got a weight, a, a no, weigh and cheater. That's right how, here. well, yeah, because I always liked it when I had a late <laughs> clinic because I was going to weigh the most because I had the most time to eat. You know what's crazy? So first thing in the morning, weigh more. I'm 130 pounds. And I, like, I broadcasted that. Yeah. Meanwhile, like, all my friends and stuff are going, well, I'm trying to be under that. I'm trying, like, Bitch, or they're like, why would I, weight. like, so I always joked with, like, any male friends of mine or, like, even my, like, 
husband, fiance at the time, whatever he was at any point in time, I'm always like, ooh, like, look, I got flubs hanging out over these pants. Yeah. Now I'm annoyed because I have to buy clothing so often and it's expensive. Yeah. But I'm not annoyed at the fact that I have flub. Yeah. It's just getting used to it. And I call it flub because I like it. And people are like, mm-hmm. you don't have flub. And I'm like, but to me it is flub. And I'm not yeah. saying I'm fat. I'm not saying, like, you know. And that's even just body image stuff. But I'm talking I, to a guy that's like 145 pounds here, so yeah. <laughs> I understand. Dan, completely. Dan here and I were close. <laughs> we're the same. Yeah, yeah. but I understand. Yeah, completely. it's definitely. I think just given me that outgoing leadership, almost like I was always told I was like very mature for my age, right. which as a kid kind of sucked because I didn't feel like I wanted to go it, play with the kids and I didn't want to hear it as a kid it's like wait a minute yeah. am I just not a kid yeah <laughs> like what am I doing wrong right but yeah. it, it has served me well and it, it served me well in many like I've been able to give speeches and and meet people and be like I know I feel like I'm name dropping but like when I met Carrie Price mm-hmm. from the Montreal Canadiens mm-hmm. and I remember shout out my man Carrie yeah my man casual <laughs> casual um, my man carry but he had like the team had supported my transplant journey and when i got to meet him which was set up by a friend um it like i was like oh my god it's carry price and this is before he was huge before he was cool before in, he was well known right like, in, in, since what 2014 because that's when they won gold well, no, this is when he was first, like, I had known about him and loved him when he was first traded to the Habs, is what I mean. Okay. So I'd been following him for a long time before he you was known to other... You got a black dude calling you out on hockey right yeah. now. So. Well, no, I, no, I just meant, sure, like, I he... knew who he was before, like, the rest of hockey fans knew who he was, sort of okay, thing. Okay, all right. So all I'm right. meeting him, and I'm like, he is God. He is amazing. Okay. Oh, my God, it's Carey Price. And he stood there. And I'm going, what the, I don't know what I'm going to ask him. What am I going to say? And I was like, like your high school crush girl, like was like, oh, Carrie Price. Like I had any words left. He's a little And all he wanted too. to, he is a very good looking man. <laughs> but all he wanted to talk about and all he, like he was asking about me. He wanted to learn about CF. He wanted to learn about transplant. He wanted to, and I'm going like, whoa. And then I was able to s- talk about myself. And I was like, he, like, I had the, you know, the proudness in myself to be able to share and not feel like I was just a charity case he was right. meeting or like I'm a throwing a mega wish yeah, kid. I'm throwing the CF card or whatever. Like so it's given me that confidence in myself of knowing I'm more than my disease while also like using it to motivate me to be more. And I just remember meeting him and I'm going, "You are famous you've done this that and he was the most laid-back chill shy awkward human being you're almost like like can you ask me about me like well like but i was just like can you be a little more like thrilled with yourself like yeah. be more like you're carrie price like yeah. and again this is as he like you know he, he then he's got gold medal he played with that like so now mm-hmm. when he does an interview like i've seen the progression of his skills in talking as well but this was you know not on camera or whatever and he's yeah. just laid back and i'm like he wanted to learn about me like what but then i also realized i was able to like stand there talk and take all this medical jargon and explain it too so i like i guess my like talent is just 
taking things and being a leader and being able, I hate when people say, dumb it down for me. It's not dumbing it down. It's you understand something well enough to be able to explain it to anyone who's asking you a question. Yeah, it's layman's, it's layman's, layman's terms. terms but I, I hate it. the yeah, phrase, yeah. dumb it down. It's just, you have to make it relatable. That's all it yeah. is. And that's, and it, and that's, that's why sometimes I'll interject, yeah. I'll interject and be like, wait a minute, can you explain oh, yeah. this? Because some, like, well, Dan and I both have medical experience, like exactly. exposure. So there's yep. some things I don't notice, but... It, it's definitely it's helped in jobs and like working at the bank i'm a teller like i can carry a conversation with anyone and they come in it doesn't matter what stage of their life they're in also exposure have having worked with or lived with alongside in the medical community the elderly population mm -hmm. i worked out in a physio clinic for six years straight with people all 65 and yeah, older like yeah. old people love to talk bro. oh yeah. Oh yeah. I do. thought I talked a lot. Holy. Yeah, old people love talking. You thought you liked yeah. social drama on Facebook? Wait till <laughs> you discover real life. Did you see what Ruth did yet? Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. But like, I think not being afraid of talking to people or not being afraid of hard topics either. That's talking about death. So maybe death is like a guaranteed for everyone, but for me, more so. Maybe we can sum it up here on the tone of you have you are now not afraid to step outside your comfort zone. Mm -hmm and talk about these things that many yeah. people would find taboo in yeah absolutely or i don't even realize it's taboo for a lack of better terms mm -hmm. uncomfortable to talk about no. whereas for you it's just i'm not like dan said earlier i think to quote another tuesday for you mm -hmm. it was oh this is my and that is what i said it is, this is my tuesday yeah just another i already tuesday, do baby. the six feet i already sanitize i keep a distance when somebody sneezes or coughs i move like second nature and so although it's Wednesday, we, we think that we think that this <laughs> world Wednesday. is just comprised of our experience, how we see things. Mm -hmm. But it's it's the introduction to this 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 concept of conversation where you actually begin to start to see, wow, you know, before 2020 hit, this person was living like this, or you mm -hmm. know, uh, before 2020 hit, like they were living this world uh, or living this this experience thinking you know this is about survival i gotta do this to live and mm -hmm. i gotta do this to make sure checking off these boxes and then you know we get to this point where it's like you know now it's time to you know and, and it's and it's really awesome because you know knowing you for so long tara and now hearing this like you know knowing that what we're seeing what dan and i get to say that we were seeing here is you know is a, a newer version of a continued progression yeah. version of yourself, and this is cool that we get to actually, you know, have you on here. It's and, good timing. Uh, and mm. oh, I think it's it's very divine. I love this. I really really love divine. this. Divine. It was I like meant that to word. be. That look at that. Just like that <laughs> brought it all. Oh, yeah. It was all meant to be. And that's uh, that's how I look at life. I yeah. look at life. It's, Terra it's divine. Really like that's your that. new name. Terra divine. <laughs> well, you know, honestly, um, we could probably talk for forever. Forever. But you know, I just I'm afraid to look at what time it is now. Even don't even don't look. Don't at look at <laughs> the time. But uh, you know, straight up. Um, and to anybody listening, don't look at how long this podcast has been going. Oh, I couldn't tell you. I don't <laughs> even want to know how long this one's been. But we thank you for everyone for listening. Um, this is Tara Burke. What are your handles? Instagram, yeah, whatever. Oh, quick what? shout out to they whatever you're doing. All, yeah. the same, yeah. all the I, socials. Facebook is alive with every breath. Mm -hmm. Facebook page. Yeah. Instagram is tbrq. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. And everything is linked in there. Everything is linked in there. Yeah. I, just, I just alive with every breath. There you go. Make sure you check it out. Uh, make sure when you watch the viral video you take in mind actually what we've talked about on yeah, this podcast because i think that's 
Go witness that hug. I want to see that. Yeah, I think that's heavy, too, that. because when I saw that podcast, I mean, not the podcast, when I saw that viral video, I'm like, everything's all right. Mm-hmm. Everything's cool. But then when you talk to you, you realize there's a little bit, I mean, with anything media-wise, oh, yeah. there's that perception and there's reality. So it's mm-hmm. interesting. It's to know that some to of that was really, oh, my mic was, to know that that was real mm-hmm. was is dope. Yeah. Yeah, it was we, just and authentic in and the moment. And we think you're pretty dope. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, you're pretty cool. We I like, like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so once again, what's your name? Tara Burke. There it is. What's your Instagram handles? TBRQ. Make sure you check her out, Tara Burke, on Instagram, Alive With Every Breath. On Facebook. Dan, what you got to say? My name is... My name is Dan. Hey, my name is Dan, and this is the Uncomfortable Community. community. It's growing uh, every day. And make sure you tune in next time. Thank you. <laughs> oh, and by the way, uh, Laura is a 91. 91. There we go. Okay. It's 91. Two years. Shout out 91. <laughs> Two years. Shout out 87. It's got it's got like the murderous vibe to it. It's like the podcast what? for no, in a good way. Like the podcast that went with the How to Make a Murder or something. Like it's got the cool vibe of Was that I guy like out it. of jail yet or what? I think he is. He has to be. Isn't he wasn't guilty. That's he, my opinion. Oh yeah, man. He's like every other white guy. They're not guilty. <laughs> <laughs> Only OJ's guilty. We're playing that card. <laughs> Everybody has that. Oh shit. No, but for real though, he wasn't it's guilty late. though. He wasn't guilty. Yeah. <laughs> you done. Make sure you sign up for organ donation. Donation. I was oh, going to say transplant organ donor. Be an organ donor. Sign up. Ontarian. Don't front. Do be it. Don't front. Don't be lame. Sign up right now. Wait. Eyeballs don't feel too. peer pressured. Hey. Think it through. We're waiting for you to <laughs> sign up. TikTok. 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 Don't think shit. Just do it. Don't think. <laughs>